Welcome in to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken alongside my good friend and co-host of this podcast from KORN Radio, the sports director there in Mitchell, South Dakota, none other than Travis Krins. Travis, how are we doing? Good. We survived Halloween, so always good news. Mm-hmm. That we did. Warm weather out there. Uh, we got some p- potential precipitation, a cold front coming in, so uh, that's the weather as of now. Of course, a big day next week with Election Day and whatnot. Um, but there's a lot that we need to get to from the sports world. Um, Vikings won last week. They uh, once again gave up a significant lead. It's not good, but it's something that we've come to expect. They rallied late. Zadarius Smith had three sacks. Defense forced three turnovers. The running game was good. This team, the Vikings, is winning the games this year that they should have won last year but did not. Would you like to see them uh, play better? Absolutely. I'd like to see them put a complete game on offense or defense, preferably both. But ultimately, they are 6-1. and one. This game against Washington now has gotten considerably tougher because Washington is better with Taylor Heineke than Carson Wentz, and no one can tell me otherwise. So win this game. Then you have the big one against Buffalo, which I don't think anyone in their right mind would pick the Vikings to beat the Bills. Like They're just not even close to that level yet. But if you could compete with them for a little bit, that would be good. But just, just beat Washington this week. Be 7-1, head into that matchup next week, a pair of uh, 7-1 teams battling it out there up in Buffalo. Because the Buffalo Bills just beat the Green Bay Packers. And the Packers actually covered in that game, surprisingly enough. But it's like the Bills were toying with them. Vikings up three and a half games in the loss column. Just just win again this week, Vikings. Somehow maybe the Lions could pull off an upset here, beat the Packers. Uh, that would be wonderful. You know, a lot of you just... They got a lot of wins, and nobody else is really doing what they're doing. No defense. The defense is better than it was last year because they're getting turnovers, mm-hmm. and they're getting, starting to get some pressure finally. Mm-hmm. And turnovers are kind of random things where you can't really predict them. Um, yeah, so another game that I've seen approximately 20 times in the last two years. So... Yeah, you know, I don't want to see like San Francisco in the first round. Of the playoffs. Oh God, I don't no, want to no see way. that. No way, no, I don't. That's, want to because see that, that. That's, that's not good. Give me the Seahawks. I'll take the Seahawks over the the Forty Nine. Yeah, I take pretty much anyone over San Francisco. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, seven ones right there for them. No, I mean no, no, no reason why they should not not beat Washington. There just isn't at this point. But so, do you agree that Washington is better with Heineke than they are with Wentz? Oh, yeah, that's not, not even a debate. Yeah. Carson Wentz shouldn't be in the NFL. Um, he's been bad for a long time. And the, the commander should not have beaten Indianapolis last week. If Indianapolis, if Sam Ellinger just sneaks for it, they're on that fourth and in inches. If Frank Reich says, yeah, let's go for it. I mean, you could argue the spot was bad to begin with. But, I mean, come on. Just go for it. End the game right there. Um, That's a bad decision. And then, you know, the defense to give up 80 yards there. Heineke played his best at that moment. Um, And maybe that's what we're going to see from him. I mean, they did beat the Packers, but it wasn't like Washington was world beaters in that game. They only won by, what, two points? So, 
I think I expect a close game once again on Sunday. That Washington, no, really no reason why they should score more than twenty points, Washington. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, offenses doing good, but I think everybody realizes that this is not not a great team. Not all oh, they're six and one, but I think everybody realizes it's not a normal six and one team because it's a very weird year. Yes, so yes it is. I think I found a the theory I'm going to go with is why all these games have been close and why nobody's good this year because of the quarterbacks. And nobody nobody can close out a game because their quarterback isn't good enough to just do that. You know, like Kirk or whoever else, if you get up by 14 points, you shouldn't trail in that game. But teams do. Mm-hmm. So they're just not – not any great team. So it'll be interesting to see if, if Buffalo, does Buffalo just win it this year because they're clearly the best team? Well, Buffalo is, or Kansas is, City. I mean, and Miami, I think, is in the mix. We'll get to them here in a little bit because we do have to talk about the uh, the historic trade deadline um, Tuesday that, that happened. Um, elsewhere around the NFL, though, Tampa Bay lost again. They look bad. I mentioned Green Bay lost. Uh, Carolina. I was so hoping Carolina would have beaten Atlanta on Sunday because we would have had a four-way tie for first and subsequently last place in the NFC South. Every team would have been three and five, but DJ PJ Walker throws this beautiful Hail Mary to DJ Moore. They get the touchdown. Moore takes off his helmet. That's a unsportsmanlike conduct. That's a 15-yard penalty. Makes the extra point that, that much longer. Eddie Pinheiro misses it. He gets a chance at redemption in overtime. A 33-yard field goal pushes it wide left. Atlanta goes down and kicks the game-winning field goal. Carolina botched that game. Um, it wasn't just Pinheiro, though. It was DJ Moore. But I so wanted Carolina to win that game because we could have had a four-way tie in the NFC South, all teams at three and five. That was a bad penalty on DJ Moore. That was the incorrect call to call him for excessive celebration or whatever for taking his helmet off. Does that rule need to be changed? He was off the field. He wasn't on the field. He was out of the back of the end zone. So it wasn't even... It wasn't even a correct call. So, referees again make a big mistake. That's pretty costly. So, did you see what yeah, Jerome Boger did in Seattle on Sunday? What did he do? He called the Seattle. This was right near the end of the game. Uh, there was a sideline infraction. Pete Carroll got too close to an official and bumped him, and so they they gave a 15 yard penalty. And he said sideline infraction on the Seattle Mariners. Yes. Yep, uh, so Jerome Boger called the Seahawks the Seattle Mariners. That was quite funny. So, I mean, that division's really bad. Geno Smith is playing well, so that's good to see. I feel like if that was Russell Wilson, he'd be like, well, maybe he's going to be in the MVP conversation, but because it's Geno Smith, everybody's waiting for it, not the last. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody expects Tampa Bay to still win that division, but and we're halfway through the year. And they still don't look very good. They got to so, get healthy. They got to get healthy. I, you know, this or I guess, uh, yeah, that division and the, and the Rams and 49ers. But yeah, I mean, that was a that was a great fourth quarter. It looked like if these were 
or two teams that anybody cared about, they'd be saying, oh, you know, this is one of the greatest fourth quarters ever. This is Bills and Chiefs or mm-hmm. the Packers and the Bucks or any other team. They'd be saying this is one of the great fourth quarters and finishes ever. Mm-hmm. But it'll be forgotten for because the two teams involved. And P.J. Walker seems like a perfectly fine NFL quarterback. Yep. And better than Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. two first, two number one first-round picks. Yep. And he's better than they are. And he been there a couple of years, really haven't gotten gotten a shot. And he's done well when he's gotten a shot. So I, I like him being the guy. And not, Taylor, Taylor Heineke, I don't like him personally, I don't believe. But he clearly did pretty well last year. Mm-hmm. And they bring up Carson Wentz. That's unnecessary. Yes. Like, he's not better than Taylor Heineke, so why bring in somebody worse? Like, no. And then the Colts bring in Matt Ryan. Like, Sam is no good, and he's probably worse than Matt Ryan, but you got to find somebody better than that. So, yeah, quit, quit giving guys chances that we know are bad. Yeah. Well, I, I like, you are certainly... I mean, Matt Ryan was really good a few years ago. He won an MVP. You know, the Falcons were in the Super Bowl and stuff. Matt Ryan's had a very good career. Tom Brady, we know he's the GOAT. Aaron Rodgers, outstanding career. Uh, I mean, stat-wise, not so much success in the postseason. He does have the one Super Bowl, multiple MVPs. But it feels like we are seeing... I mean, that's it, got to be the end of the line for these guys. I mean, Russell Wilson looks terrible out in Denver. I would be surprised if he makes it through all five years of his deal. Um, you have seven years. I thought it was just like a five-year deal, $245 million. And it's two years and then five additional. Holy shit. I think Aaron Rodgers will be fine because of his thumb injury, and he has no receivers at all. So, if they can find him out. Couple receiver. I think Aaron Rodgers is fine. Tom Brady's not throwing any interceptions. They just they just can't score. And um, the other guys are cooked. Matt Ryan's done. And Carson Wentz is done. Mm-hmm. I think Aaron Rodgers. It's the circumstances of like, all right, can he make anybody a good receiver? The answer is no. You have to have you have to have something there. And they had what their top three receivers were gone against Buffalo. So you need yeah. you need something. And so I still like him going forward. I think he'll be around for a while. The other guys are done. I think he's got two years tops. I really do. I don't I think there's frustration that's starting to boil over there. Uh the you know, Tuesday was the NFL trade deadline and Chase Claypool, like there were several wide receivers out there that could be had. Chase Claypool, Brandon Cooks were among the top two. Jerry Judy's name was mentioned a little bit in there, but ultimately the Broncos decided to keep him. Uh, the, the asking price, apparently, for Chase Claypool was a second-round pick. And uh, reportedly, the Packers offered the Steelers a second-round pick. But so, too, did the Chicago Bears. And the Steelers elected to send Chase Claypool to Chicago because they think that the Bears' second-round pick is going to be ultimately higher than what the Packers' second-round pick will be. So they're they're kind of playing out the um, the averages here and thinking, okay, Green Bay's going to pick it up here at some point. But if you're Green Bay, 
Can you not even throw in like an extra fourth, a fifth? Like, if you're going to be that cheap with your draft picks, how committed are you truly to winning? And winning now with a Pro Bowl MVP quarterback? I don't think Chase Claypool's any good. I don't either, but he's better than anyone that the Packers have right now. And like, how much of it? Well, they, they offered a second round pick. I probably wouldn't offer any more. Like, he's just going to be wasted in Chicago, like every receiver in our lifetime has. So good for the Packers for at least stay. We'll be in the mix here. But even if you get a Brandon Cooks, like, what, what difference does it make at this point? You know? So you try and you didn't. You try again next next year. And, and you gotta you got to figure out, you know, this didn't work. You know, Christian Watson, maybe he'll be good. He barely plays now. The injuries. you got to at least... I mean, they've never attempted to put any talent in front of Aaron Rodgers. They just haven't. Right. It's kind of like when the Vikings had Adrian Peterson. They never put him with the quarterback. Mm-hmm. One year they put him with Brett Favre. Other than that, it was Christian Ponder and Donovan McNabb and a whole host of other terrible quarterbacks. Yep. Eddie Bridgewater and this and that. Like, just because you're good at one, just because you've got the best player at, a, at one position doesn't mean you can neglect everything else. Mhm. So. Yeah, certainly not good as we look ahead to the week ahead here for the NFL. Not a great slate of games. Uh interestingly enough, we have Philadelphia and Houston playing on Thursday night. That uh you know, we have Philadelphia and Houston playing in the World Series. It's this has happened before where teams in the World Series also like it's the same city matchup with the football teams and whatever. It was supposed to be an off day for the World Series, but because of rain, uh, now we have Game 5 scheduled for Thursday night. I'll be curious to see what the ratings are like. I have to imagine the World Series will ultimately prevail, especially in the Philadelphia and Houston markets, over um, over this game. It, it, it just has to. Uh, but in terms of the rest of the slate, not a great week. I mean, we have, for some reason, the NFL elected not to put... Bills Jets in the late afternoon window alongside Buck or Rams Bucks. The the Rams Bucks is a standalone game. I have no idea why. Uh, no, preseason. I mean, that's it looked the good. Two, yes. two best teams in the NFC. Yes, and that's just not how it goes. Yes. How yep. Yeah, and I totally get why they did it at the time. But you you have flexible scheduling. The Bills are really good. The Jets have been a surprise. Why wouldn't you put a uh, maybe more attractive game in that late afternoon window to give viewers an option rather than stick us with a terrible Matthew Stafford and Rams offense against a terrible Tom Brady and Tampa Bay team? I just I, I don't get it from the NFL's standpoint. They're not going to take out Tom Brady. Well, I know that. I, I'm saying keep it in that window, but have a second game there. Because this Rams Bucks game just doesn't do it. This is not Bills Chiefs from two or from two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever that was. That was a marquee game. Great teams. This game, not good teams. For some reason, we get Jets Buffalo here in South Dakota at noon. Because I thought we would get Bears Dolphins. Makes sense. The Bears are. 
among the top five most liked teams, I would say, in this region. And we know, I know, a ton of Dolphins fans, for whatever reason, there's just Dolphins fans around. I don't know. They've never been good in our lifetime. I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of Dolphins fans. So yep. Charlie among them. Charlie, Blake, got uh, a couple other people I know like the Dolphins. So, I don't know why it's... Why it's Bills and Jets, I don't know. I don't expect that game to be any good. But it is. So and it feels like it's it's been weeks. You know, there's no good game. This is the only game with two winning teams, and it's just the way it's gonna be because nobody's we're halfway through and we're waiting for somebody to do to do something. Mm-hmm. And then nobody's doing anything. Nobody's making that big run yet, and maybe they won't. So like we're gonna have this for much of the rest of the season, when we look at it, we're like, there's maybe two games that I care about, and that's, that's a strong maybe. I like how Fox is sending their number one team, Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, to Detroit for 3-5 and five Green Bay at 1-6 and six Detroit, when you could have easily, and if, I mean, if you look at it, the majority of the country is going to get Vikings commanders yeah. by the looks of it. Um, like population wise, I mean, I I don't understand. I mean, and that's a better matchup. Like this isn't this isn't predetermined ahead of time. Like they make adjustments as the season goes on. They weren't going to do Packers Jets uh, a few weeks back, but because the matchup was there, the Jets were good. The Packers reeling a little bit, but that was an attractive matchup. Green Bay at Detroit is not an attractive matchup. Minnesota at Washington is better than that. This week, I'm very surprised that that's. That, I mean, would you want to watch this Green Bay team this year flounder the way they have? I actually think Detroit has a really good chance of pulling off the upset. Where is this game at? Detroit. It's in Detroit. Yep. Yeah, I think I'd, all things being equal, I would be more interested in Packers Detroit because the the Packers are on the verge here of some bad stuff, and they're not gonna. Flex out Aaron Rodgers because even if they're really bad, they're a story, and people are going to watch because they're really bad. And Detroit, they may be on the verge of firing their coach because that just isn't working out well. You know, early on it looked like, hey, at least we can score points, and now they're looking like a three-win team. Mm-hmm. So it's all about the stars, and if you can get the Cowboys on the TV, if you can get Brady and Rodgers on the TV, there's going to be games later on in the year where they're in prime time or on a Sunday night, and it's not going to be any good. So are they going to have the balls to flex that game out and put two better teams on there? I don't think they will. I think they'll keep the the worst game and the worst matchup because of the, of the quarterback. <laughs> Probably. Probably. I'm just a little surprised that they would – I mean, I'm not saying flex out Dallas-Green Bay next week out of the late afternoon window. I'm just saying Green Bay at Detroit. I mean, it's just it, it's odd decision. Odd decision, to say the least. But that leads us into the trade. And, I don't, I, yeah. you know, and, and a large part of the country does have the, the Washington game. And I don't think the NFL wants Washington on the TV much at all. With that sure. horrible organization, yes, we cannot show Redskins games for 
Commander games, that would be okay with them. Well, all three of, like, every home game for Washington this year is in the 1 p.m. Eastern window. Like, yeah, 1 p.m. All- Eastern kickoff. And that's in part because of, A, the, the team, but also their stadium is crap. It's kind of like back in the day when the Vikings were in the Metrodome. They didn't have a lot of primetime games in the Metrodome. Why? Because the Metrodome was a shit stadium. Towards the end, it was. I just, um, I, I like that's in part. I think. I mean, they're at Philadelphia on a Monday night. They were at Chicago on a Thursday night. Indy this last week was in the late afternoon window because of the storylines. Like we had potentially with Washington at Indy, we had Carson Wentz coming back to face Indianapolis and Frank Reich. What did we? And you know, you have Matt Ryan in there in a building Colts team. What do we have instead? We got Sam Ellinger against Taylor Heineke. Woo! Like, Carson Wentz going back to the Colts, like, doesn't do anything for anybody. It's a storyline. Like, he, what, he was there one year? Right, but it, 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 I, it crashed and I burns. Didn't, I didn't even realize that until you just said it. I was like, why is that at 3.30? Yeah, a lot of people got the game. But, like, why is that at 3? I was making fun of, yeah, Colts, Washington. Like, I didn't even realize, because he didn't play. Right. But he does, like, Jesus Christ. But that's ultimately why they had it in the late afternoon. That was, su- that was supposed to be attractive. But that, that to me, was a more interesting storyline. Carson Wentz going back to Indy to face uh, Frank Reich and the team that said, we're trading for you, we can build you up, like this was their success, and then they discard him after a year. That had more storylines than Green Bay at Detroit does this week. But ultimately, that didn't pan out. Just like with the Packers-Lions. This was supposed to be a better Lions team. The Packers are supposed to be better. Neither team is good. So why are, why are we sending the number one team to cover a game that doesn't meet the standards that we expected at the beginning of the year? That It's a bad week for football. Yeah. It was a bad yeah. week. It is. I mean, Chargers-Falcons is better than that. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So, you know, but yeah, it's because it's, it's the Packers. It is, it is solely because it is the Green Bay Packers. I will be fascinated to see if the Packers are 6-11 and 11 this year. How If they get five primetime games next year. I bet you dollars to donuts they will. But Oh yeah, I they'll can... make improvements and Rodgers will be healthy and they'll, may, maybe they'll address the receivers. Maybe they're dumb enough not to. But... Yeah, they'll they'll get as long as Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback, they will get plenty of primetime games. I've already I'm already calling my shot. Should the Vikings win the NFC North, they will be playing at Detroit on Thanksgiving next year. Detroit's home schedule next year is atrocious. They have right. they have Denver, they have Vegas, they have uh, or no? Okay, will be an NFC team. Yeah, they would be an it would be an NFC team. They have Carolina, Atlanta from the NFC South. Uh, they would play the last place team of, I think it's the NFC West, or maybe it's the, the East. So that's not attractive. The Vikings would be it because you have Justin Jefferson and, and you know, see what Kirk Cousins can do. I, it's either Vikings or Packers. We can't, we can't have Bears-Lions again. I just think it's the Vikings if they win the North next year. I like just looking at the Lions home slate, I am almost guaranteeing that it is Vikings Lions. 
What the Vikings win the Super Bowl here a couple months back? And um, their first game next year will be at home versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Could be. Could be. Game, game one next year. Vikings hosting the Chiefs. I don't see, but we thought that the, the NFL was going to do that a couple years ago with Atlanta against New England, and they ultimately pushed that back a little bit. Um, I don't want to see the Packers again. You got the Saints and the Bucks and the Chargers. Yeah. I. I think the Chiefs game is going to be a 3 o'clock or a Sunday night game. That's my prediction. NFC West team to be determined. Um, that would be you know, the Rams or San Francisco. Yep. Or Seattle. Give Seattle some love. I mean, Geno Smith playing well. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. It's interesting. But, yeah. Bad week overall for the NFL. But we saw a historic... NFL trade deadline. Ten trades were made on Tuesday. That's not counting Christian McCaffrey going to the 49ers before. That's not counting Robert Quinn to the Eagles. It's not counting James Robinson going from the Jaguars to the Jets. It was strictly on Tuesday. Ten trades were made. Already mentioned Chase Claypool going from Pittsburgh to Chicago. I'll get back to that in a moment here because I'm a little perplexed by Chicago's wheelings and dealings. The two big moves, though, clearly from the day... Uh, Bradley Chubb, defensive end, edge rusher, whatever you want to call him, going from Denver to Miami, along with a fifth-round pick in 2025 for a 2023 first-round pick, running back Chase Edmonds, and a fourth-round pick in 2024. That's the big deal, and it shows that Miami is in it to win it this year. They have the wide receivers. They appear to have the quarterback. Like Their offense is set. They, and they got Jeff Wilson from the 49ers. Just a, a, a huge upgrade over Chase Edmonds. Um, and that was in a separate trade. What's that? Raheem Mostert? Well, Raheem Mostert is still there. Um, he's, he's, he's okay. He's a good running back. Yes, he is. But you get Jeff Wilson in there too, just kind of pairing him up with Mike Daniel. I'm just saying that Jeff Wilson is an upgrade over Chase Edmonds. Um, but the I don't do- like, isn't Raheem Mostert their best running back though? Could be, but now you have that you have a dynamic one-two punch with Mostert and Wilson. Yeah. So I yeah. like I like Fine. that I like that move for Miami. But getting Bradley Chubb, like I said, you have the offense. That defense needs to be a little better. You get that pass rusher that can chase down the the Josh Allen's, the Patrick Mahomes's, the uh, Lamar Jackson's. Justin Herberts of the world, because that's all—they're all in the AFC. That's who you need to take down in order to get to the mountaintop. Getting a piece like Bradley Chubb significant for the Dolphins, and it proves, I think, or it's—it's it's a signal that they are all in to win. If not this year, they're pushing their chips and saying we're right there uh, for next year as well. I like that they traded for guys like Tyree Kill and guys like that. Yep. I like that. I like that it was an active trade deadline because it never is. Mm-hmm. I like that teams got rid of guys. They got rid of guys because they don't want to pay them because they're they're pending free agents that they don't intend to keep. Yep. Like Roquan Smith, like a Bradley Chubb. Why did Denver trade Chubb? Because they're not going to sign him in the offseason. So yeah, get a first round pick for him. That's a good job by Denver because you sold your draft for the next couple of years for a shitty quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
and get a first-round pick. So I like that. Get rid of guys you don't intend to keep. Yep. And for the Bears in your awful, yes, get rid of some guys. Like, you're you're awful. Uh, you're not re-signing these guys. So, and again, some of the trades are ridiculous. Like, the Vikings got a goddamn steal for nothing. And, um, yeah, you can get great players for third, fourth-round picks. Well, and so that leads me to the next big winner from the trade deadline, and that's clearly the Minnesota Vikings, who gave up a, you know, a second-round pick is significant. They also gave up a third in 2024, second-round pick in 2023. But you land TJ Hawkinson, who I would argue is a top five, top ten for sure tight end in this league. Uh, it's a huge upgrade at the tight end position. Irv Smith is out eight to ten weeks. This signals that the Irv Smith Jr. era in Minnesota is done. But the Vikings are going to get a couple of, uh, they're getting a fourth round pick next year. Uh, back from Detroit, they're getting a conditional fourth rounder in 2024. This is a, this is big. This is a great trade for the Vikings. But it comes with a caveat for me. They must get TJ Hawkinson signed to a long-term deal. By long-term, I mean three or four years. But you can't just have him be a one or two-year rental you can't give up that much capital for a guy to be a one or two year rental. It's got to be more. Um, he, I know he's due nine million dollars next year in the final year of his contract, uh, rookie deal. Uh, he's going to want more than that. But you just look at this offense now, and you have I mean, the Vikings were ranked dead last in the NFL in terms of yards per catch by tight ends this year. Uh, it, you look at you pair him with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. You got Dalvin Cook in the background, uh, in the backfield. KJ Osborne, pretty good. Like this is a lethal, lethal offense now. I never understood why people thought Herb Smith Jr. would be good. I actually did not. He, looked, he was really good at Alabama. I was expecting more. I really was. Again, T- Tyler Conklin is better. Oh, ooh. okay, yeah, yep. He it's just it. Like he just, you know, he, Tyler Conklin was he a six-round pick? Where everywhere he was, he was a fifth-round pick. I really like wish the, the Vikings. Like, I wish the just Vikings. Way it went. I wish the Vikings would have ponied up last year and ta- uh, um, sent a third-round pick to to the Eagles for Dallas Goddard, which was reportedly what they were asking for—a second or a third-round pick—and. Uh, Rick Spielman balked at it apparently, and decided a fourth round pick for Chris Herndon from the Jets was worth it. Yeah, well, that was a waste of time. That was ridiculous. Oh, wh- terrible trade! Terrible trade. What Tyler Conklin has done in eight games with the Jets <laughs> is better than what Irv Smith has done in any of his three years. Mm-hmm. Tyler Conklin has thirty-two catches for three hundred and nine yards and three touchdowns, which would be basically what Irv Smith did his first two years. Yep, and. Conklin's done that with an awful quarterback in eight games. So, I mean, it just didn't work out. He's out of there. You bring in uh, a new tight end. I think the Vikings are just fleecing Detroit over and over and over again with these trades. <laughs> People didn't like the trade draft day. I loved it. You give them a, a receiver who probably isn't going to play this year, Jamison Williams. We'll see if he's any good, but... Sure, yeah. Give 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 them Jamison Williams a receiver that's not going to play this year. So to get him, essentially, with all the draft picks and what it ended up being, they gave up the 69th pick in the draft, which is a what an early third round pick. Yep. 
for a tight end when he was taken 10th overall. 9th, I think. Ninth, yeah, it was 9th or 10th. A top 10 pick from a few years ago, four years ago, you give up the equivalent of an early third-round pick for him. He has done well in his career. He has met expectations, and he should do better on a better team with a better quarterback. Mm-hmm. Already, like you said, a top five, six, or seven, like already tight end. Like, yes, like, like what? How is he worth only that? Like, he should be very solidly worth at least a second round pick. Yeah. Like, a top 45 to 50 pick, not the equivalent of the 69th pick. And, and what's so fascinating about this, too, is that it's an interdivision trade in the middle of the radio show. Like, when the Vikings made those trades with the Lions and the Packers during the draft, everyone's like, oh, that's a little odd. You know, maybe, I mean, we've seen interdivision trades, uh, you know, for draft picks previously. I think Dallas and Philadelphia did it a couple years ago with uh, for Micah Parsons and whatnot. Um, so, I mean, that, we've seen it. But, like, during the, the middle of the season, that's a little bizarre. Uh, but also, I, I look at what the Vikings did, and like, I, I look, at, I guess, at Hawkinson, and yes, he's really good, but he was very underutilized there in Detroit. They did not target him. Jared Goff didn't. Matthew Stafford didn't. They didn't target him nearly as much as what they should have. And I think now, for Kirk Cousins, now you don't have to necessarily, like, you still want to get the ball to Justin Jefferson. But if anything, I bet TJ Hawkinson becomes that second top target and maybe Adam Thielen goes down to third a little bit after to- uh, after Hawkinson learns the offense a bit. I, I This is a huge weapon now for, for Kirk Cousins and company. It just it opens the field up so much more. Now Hawkinson, who's got like 15.3 yards per catch this season, now you like that's double what the Vikings were doing at the tight end. Now you can send him 10 yards. You don't have to go in a little flat route for four or five. Send him for 10. It just opens the field up that much more. Ideally, and hopefully that's the case, because they just haven't used the tight ends at all. Johnny Munt is the tight end this year. Yes. He gets a couple catches a game. And there's some games where just they just cover Jefferson and <laughs> he doesn't do much. Right. So yeah, hopefully this helps things. This has uh, got the potential to be a big addition. Um, you know. but again, can you close out a game? Uh, Greg Joseph misses another extra point. Yeah. Yeah, that needs to get fixed. You can't be missing all of these extra points. I was really hoping maybe they would also send like a third or fourth round pick to the Raiders for Daniel Carlson, bring him back into the mix, bring him back into the fold. That would have been something. And then I, I with the Vikings, I do like that at the end of the first half, they had what, maybe one timeout left? Two, uh, one or two timeouts. I think they had two. They had 37 seconds, and they tried, and they got a field goal. They didn't make it, a 56-yarder. But I like that they tried mm-hmm. to score points. That's plenty of time to try and score. Yep. And they got like to the 40 and a one-yard pass and then a one-yard pass. So they didn't really get much after that. But try. Fucking try to score points. It's not that tough. It's not impossible to get into field goal range. And they did. It took them all of 30 seconds to do that. Uh, so I like what they tried. Kirk was off a little bit with his throws a little high. Uh, the, the pass on that previous drive, 
the um, in the second quarter there to KJ Osborne was too high. If he catches that, that's going or that ball's a little lower. That's a first down. Vikings probably uh, can util- use most of the rest of the clock there. Maybe the Cardinals get a field goal there at the end, of the, but the Vikings are up like 17-6 at half. It's those, it's those types of throws that Kirk needs to make on a more consistent basis. I don't know if he was just a little hyped up, but he was he was a little inaccurate on on Sunday with a lot of his throws, and hopefully now T.J. Hawkinson will help with that. And K.J. Osborne, another guy who everybody thinks is good, and again, but they just don't really throw him the ball. I don't know if he's that open, but like he is having a bad year. Whether it's his fault or not, He's on pace for 40 catches and 360 yards. Yeah, I would I'd say that's more, not so much him, but the... Um, so hopefully they use TJ Hawkinson because it seems like, like there's been, in this offense, there's Thielen's been used and Jefferson's been used for receivers. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there's not a third option. There's never been a third option. Right. Like, you could have a third receiver be effective. We saw it many years ago. Vikings had three really yes. good receivers. Yes. Who would use their tight end. They'd have a really good tight end. And it's been a long time since that has happened. So, hopefully, this works out. Hopefully, they can figure out how to use use a good tight end for one. Who, who was the so tight end? Rudolph, you know, if, if he does what Rudolph did... Then fine, but I would expect a little bit more than that. I always thought he Rudolph was a little overrated. Get me more than five or six hundred yards in a season. Need more than that. Rudolph could catch just about anything thrown his way. His size and his hands, he just couldn't run. Hawkinson can run. Uh, Remind me, who was the tight end for the Vikings in '98? Was it Andrew Glover? Yes. Okay, that's what I. That's what I thought. I mean that. Over like little overlooked because you had Chris Carter, Randy Moss, and Jake Reed. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so and I, what, Matthew Hatchet, right? Oh, it was Hatchet oh, was in there. Was it David Palmer that was the the return man? Uh, Matthew Hatchet on that team or not? I, I believe Hatchet was on the team. Yes, he was. Like I can name you more people from the '98 Vikings than this. And I just fucking watched them, son. Yeah. Like I could name you. They'd probably name me three the offensive line. Yeah, I could too. Um, Ryan on the wall. Bradbury's he still on the team? Bradbury's on the team, yep. Left tackle who's good now, which is good to see. Uh Darisaw. Yep. Other two guys I, I couldn't It's Ezra Cleveland and Ed Ingram are your guards. Brian O'Neill, Christian Darisaw your tackles, and yeah, Garrett Bradbury the center. Nine eight Vikings, I can name me forty plays. Yeah. They were so good. So good. And Gary Anderson, damn him for missing that field goal. The curse of the, the Viking kickers. Also, another one where there's 30 seconds left in the game. Fucking try to score. Yeah. Don't take any of the best offense there's ever been. You have 30 seconds left. Try to fucking score. And they did. Yep. Agreed. Go back. Go back. Agreed. Um, an- another significant trade from Tuesday. Uh, the Bills getting Naheem Hines for next to nothing. From the Colts, like the Bills are just loading up here. I, you, we give credit to the Eagles for getting Robert Quinn to help bolster their defensive line um, earlier, you know, a, a few days back or last week for a fourth round pick. I mean, it was next to nothing. They they trade that to the Bears. the the 
The Bills get Naheem Hines, speedy return man, good running back, can catch out of the backfield and whatnot. They give up Zach Moss, who didn't do anything for them at the running back position this year, and a, a conditional sixth-round pick. For a guy who, I don't know, was it was featured plenty in the Colts' offense. Yes, he's behind Jonathan Taylor, but Naheem Hines is good. I, I look at what the Colts are getting back, like, I, I just don't get it. This is a steal for Buffalo. I would like, I don't know, a general manager or somebody in the NFL or an analyst that I respect to explain to me again how these trades work, why we're giving up six-round picks for contributing pieces, like when six-round picks rarely ever even make your team, let alone contribute anything. No, they're always looking for that Tom Brady in the sixth yeah, round, though. fucking Tom Brady. It's... And, the, and, like, the Rams take it to the extreme where they give up, like, first-round picks for, for Stafford and Jalen Ramsey and, F and Odell picks. Beckham. Like, they just give it up all for, like, the premium players. Yep, F them uh, picks. In their position, and it, and it worked for them. San like, Francisco I would love for to Christian build McCaffrey. a team. I would love to build a team on third- and fourth-round picks. I think I'd have a really good team. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, make it work under the salary cap and sign these guys and this and that. Like, I would love to use all of my draft picks. Because the Vikings, what was the last few years, it seems like the Vikings have literally had, like, six six-round picks. Yes. Or picks in the fucking fifth round. Mm-hmm. Like, you could trade all of those for a, a Heinz-level running back or a player of his caliber somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. Who's going to make an immediate impact on your team? I can get you for a six-rounder. What if I gave you four six-round picks? I could fucking probably trade uh, for goddamn Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Like, like what? Yeah. Well, it, I, it, it makes no sense. I think um, Howie uh, Howie Roseman, the the GM of the Eagles, he does better at fleecing teams on deals than any anyone out there. I mean, he got Sam. Bra- he got a first-round pick for Sam Bradford. <laughs> He got a first round. He gave up only one first round pick for AJ Brown, who's having a tremendous season. Uh, I mean, he gives up a fourth round pick for Robert Quinn. He traded with the um, who did he trade with? The, the Saints. He traded with the Saints last year, like down ten picks in the draft, and secured a first round pick in next year's draft. And he still has that. Like the Eagles have two first round picks next year. It's just Howie Roseman knows how to manipulate and just get the best deal. He fleeces teams constantly. I'm beyond impressed. I wish he were the GM of the Vikings. Uh, not not saying that Quasi's doing a bad job, but I want someone, and, and maybe Quasi's got that kind of mentality now uh, with giving up some of these picks, but what Howie Roseman does in Philadelphia amazes me and angers me at the same time. It's like, how are other teams, how are other GMs being this stupid to allow him to do this? I like that, yeah. Like, especially like if you get a big time wide receiver. Yes. I was interested to see. Okay, what what does Tyree Kill mean to Miami? He means a hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's been worth everything they're paying him. He's been worth everything they gave up for the draft. Already, I can say that was a great trade. Yes. And the same with AJ Brown. You got him. He's been great. Jalen Hurts is significantly better than last year. Mm-hmm. So yes, you give your Give your quarterbacks weapons, like elite weapons, and that should work out. Devontae Adams, 
he's there. They haven't won many games. But if you can give, if you have a good quarterback, you should be able to win more. Uh, I think mean, you know, receiver. I was like underutilized. Is like you know, everybody looks at like the defensive ends and the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I think receiver is just like look at Jamar Chase and the Bengals. How much a difference he make? Yes, he made. Yep. Like you can outside a quarterback, I would argue receiver is the most impactful position in football. Look at what the Packers are awful this year. So yes. if you yep. get a great receiver, that makes a huge difference. The Jaguars traded for uh, like a two conditional picks, it's like a fifth round and maybe as high as a second round pick in twenty twenty five to the Falcons for Calvin Ridley. Ridley's not playing this year because he's suspended for a ridiculous betting thing. I mean, the, the NFL, I don't, that, that, I, I vehemently disagree with the NFL suspension of him, and yet, oh, we're only going to give 11 games to Deshaun Watson, who sexually assaulted two dozen, you know, three dozen, maybe maybe upwards of, of 40, 50, 60 women? I mean, that's just, it It doesn't make sense, uh, a $1,500, $1,600 bet for Ridley when he was on IR. Like, it just... It's a bad look for the NFL there, but they're used to that. But I love the trade by the Jaguars because you, if Ridley, when he's healthy, he's a great wide receiver. Uh, he's better than Christian Kirk. He's better than Zay Jones, who the Jaguars have. That's a, a that's a next year, assuming he's reinstated. That's a significant weapon for Trevor Lawrence and and the Jaguars. So I love that move. And then you still give Trevor Lawrence some time. Yep. But I don't think he will ever be close to it like a top five quarterback. Yeah, not like a Peyton Manning or... uh, Or even, hell, like even a Russell Wilson or a Ben Roethlisberger or... You can't throw a pick at the goal line against Denver on Sunday in London. At first and goal and you try and force something in there? Like, live to play another day. He's making too many of those bad mistakes in year two. And they're a bad team and there's not much there... And there may not ever be anything there, but like if you're as good as people thought he would be, like you should be better than that, despite all of these other things that aren't good. Right. Like, I, felt, I felt like Andrew Luck was like sacked all the time, and it was got hurt all the time, and it ended his career early mm-hmm. because the Colts didn't have a very good offensive line, but he still made it work, and he still got to the playoffs most years. Yep. And like they're just, I mean. Could you win five games in Jacksonville? You don't need to make the playoffs. You just need to be better and show improvement. And, like, they're they – look like they were going to be something at 2-1, and one, but I was like, can you win five games? So, like, people are going to give him a huge leash because he's a first-round pick and he is who he is. Like, he's going to get four or five years to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And somebody like Taylor Heineke gets gets into the playoffs. Like, man, that's yeah, – we're going we're gonna, to move on. Okay. Doesn't There's a sense. double standard, like Gardner Minshew. You know, I like him. Mm-hmm. Like I think he is better than five or ten quarterbacks starting right now. Yep. If it makes extended playing time, maybe he wouldn't be any good. But is he better than Justin Fields? Yes. Like for God's sakes. Yep. You know, how would he be with the uh, with the Saints <laughs> instead of Andy Dalton, who's done fine? Put put him in there and see what he can do. He's better than Zach Wilson. He's better than Jacoby Brissett. Yes. So, that's all we know. Um, the, the Chicago Bears, I mentioned them earlier. They they make the trade for Chase Claypool. They also trade Robert Quinn to the Eagles for a fourth-round pick. They trade Roquan Smith to the Ravens uh, for, uh, what was it, like a second-round 
yeah, second round pick and a oh. fifth round pick. Um, I it, it, initially when these trades went down, I was a little perplexed by the by what the Bears were doing because it's sending mixed signals to me about what are they trying to accomplish with this? Are you trying to win now, but you're giving up? Pieces, and then you you think about it a little bit more. They had no chance of getting Roquan Smith under contract. He was going to leave at the end of the season, so you're trying to get something for him, um, rather than leave with nothing. Uh, same with Robert Quinn. He was underutilized in this new defensive scheme from Matt Eberflus. So you get picks for him, or get a pick for him. So you got two picks there, but at the same time, it's not helping you guys this year. You're building for the future, obviously, but then you trade a second round pick. For uh, to the Steelers for Chase Claypool, and I think that's it. obviously this is in an effort to provide Justin Fields with more weapons, maybe to see what Justin Fields has. Is it to help the offense? So you're you're helping your offense, but yet you're hurting your defense a bit. I, it's it's mixed messaging on what the Bears are trying to accomplish this year. I kind of see it bigger picture. So ultimately, I'm not as confused as I was initially. But it's still just a little like, hey, like are we dipping our toe in the water here, and then and going about like, where are we at, Chicago? Wait, where are we at? I hate when they, especially in baseball, when they say, are team sellers or are they buyers? Mm-hmm. And like, I think you can be both. Like, if you're a bad team, you can get rid of your soon-to-be free agents, and there's no reason why. If you're a bad team, you can't trade for somebody you like in the future that's under contract for a couple years, like the Bears did. So, yeah, they're trying. They got a receiver who I think becomes their number one receiver now, probably. Uh, I would say number two, but I think Darnell Mooney's still number one. And, like, neither, neither of those guys are, like, number one receivers. No. And Chase Claypool, a number two receiver, meh, maybe. Maybe like somebody better than him is your number two. So, uh, you know, you get rid of a guy who you're not going to sign in a linebacker. And you get a guy who's going to be with you for a couple years, for two and a half years. You get Chase Claypool, who should be okay. But, again, Justin Fields, like, I, like he is bad. I mean, he's another guy that's going to get a long time to figure this out. Like, he'll get all of next season as well, no matter how bad he is, because... He was a very high draft pick. But see, this is why I, I think it makes sense for Claypool to go to the Bears, which is... Yeah, you need you need something, and even if you're not good this year, all right, we'll give you a shot this year, we'll give you a shot in the next couple of years yeah. for a good receiver, probably a better receiver than we're going to sign or draft. Yeah, it, it makes sense in that regard because you can't really get a good feel for Justin Fields with the weapons around him. Like, he's got good running... like. David Montgomery's a pretty good running back. Khalil Herbert, good running back. Uh, but the wide receivers, who does he have to throw to? Byron Pringle? No, thank you. When's the, when's the last time they used a pick on a wide receiver? The Bears? A first like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at their draft here. Curtis They never Conway. draft a wide receiver. Like, you go back like to what? Bray, Braylon Edwards? Was, I thought Braylon Edwards was a Brown. He was drafted by the Browns, I think. Well, the Brown, did he end up with the Bears some, some, somewhere along the line? Maybe. Ooh. Who the hell am I thinking of? They, they had Moose and Muhammad for a couple of years. Yep. They, they, okay, they, 2015, they got Kevin White from West Virginia, and he was just a bust. Yes. That was seventh overall pick. Other than that, 
They drafted a guy who I really like, Alshon Jeffrey, in 2012. That was the 45th overall pick. Mm-hmm. But you would think we never have any good receivers. We never sign any good receivers. We never draft a receiver in the first two rounds. We've done it twice in 15 years. Mm-hmm. You would think maybe we go after wide receivers because this has been a problem. Who is the best Bears receiver of all time? I couldn't even tell you. Uh, Mike Waddle. Who? Uh, like Sylvian Waddle? <laughs> uh, some Waddle guy who's a medium uh, figure now in Chicago. <laughs> Waddle? I don't know. Uh, you know who the, the Bears' all-time receiving leader? Curtis Conway. They have one one receiver in their history who's had more than 4,700 yards. His name is Johnny Morris. He played in the 60s. Ooh. Alshon Jeffrey played there for five years. He is third all-time in receiving yards. Walter Payton is fourth. Yikes. Goddamn Walter Payton was a running back. Mm-hmm. He is the fourth leading receiver all-time. Mike Ditka yeah, hasn't played Ditka. football in 55 years. He is fifth all-time. Yikes. I assume the Vikings have seven or eight receivers with at least 5,000 yards. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, try, try, try. Yep. The Vikings have eight receivers that have 5,000 yards. So the Bears have one. Tells you all you need to know. Tells you all you need to know. So very, very impactful trade deadline. Some people didn't get moved. Uh, running back Kareem Hunt from Cleveland, he stays put. Running back Alvin Kamara from New Orleans, he stays put. Wide receiver Brandon Cooks from Houston, he stays put. Um, so, so that's what we got there. Um, anything else NFL-related that we need to discuss? San Francisco just blew out the Rams in the second half. They can't – they never lose to the Rams except in the championship game when they had to win. Mm-hmm. But they just own the Rams, and Christian McCaffrey looked great. And I, I think I picked them to get to the Super Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. I just, I just like, I just like San Francisco. I like what they do. Like if they were just a little bit better at the quarterback, they'd be really good. But Garoppolo is fine enough. And like I like Philadelphia, and I like San Francisco. Do you remember at the beginning of the season who I told you would be in the NFC Championship game? You had San Francisco and Tampa Bay? Philadelphia. That's, that looks Philadelphia looks like a damn near shoe in right now. And I like San Francisco a lot. So yeah. that is a good that is a good pick. And you have I assume you had Buffalo, Kansas City. Yes. Like you've got a shot at least three of three of those four. I would think so. I would think so. I think I, think, I had Tampa Bay and somebody else. San Francisco will get um, will get healthy. I fully expect them to win the West and not stay in that seven seed. Because uh, can you imagine if the Vikings? Uh, oh, what a great year we've had! Had to play the the Forty Niners. No, no, thank oh, you. Oh my! Like if, like if they're the two seed and they have to win the two straight playoff games, which they've never done. Mm-hmm. Let's win the seven seed. Let's see. Let's you know. A team that it, it appears that it's going to be Dallas and the Giants as a five or six seed, and then hopefully one of the you know 
there needs to be a seventh team. Mm-hmm. And if that's the Packers or Tampa or Seattle or the Rams. Atlanta? Atlanta or whatever team doesn't win one of these bad divisions. Oh, my gosh. Can, could we please face Atlanta in the playoffs? That would be marvelous. That'd be great. And then we go from there. So And then we get to play the three seed, maybe, who would be a really bad division winner. Mm-hmm. Or we'd play Dallas or the Giants. So but that would be a home game. So, I mean, you know, things things set up nicely, and yep, a lot of things football will continue left. to go well for the next two months, and we'll see where, where we're at. Half the season to go, Vikings. Just keep on winning. That's that's the goal here at this point. Uh, college football, not much happened last week. Kansas State shut out Oklahoma State. That was somewhat of a shocker, though. I I, I think it's more shocking the final score, not that Kansas State yeah. won. Um, really, I mean, there wasn't else much of note. Tennessee annihilated Kentucky. Georgia won in the the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I uh, wish they would call it that still, but they do not. Um, they won. Penn State eight. almost beat Ohio State, but then the fourth quarter happened, and that didn't happen. I just, I, I can't take Penn State seriously. Um, Total. In in for. For that reason, uh, we we did have ugly moments last week, though, between the, the the tunnel fight between Michigan State and Michigan. I think Michigan State's now up to eight players suspended. It's it's just a bad look, I, um, and not like people have been saying, oh, don't you know have you know one you know one tunnel in a large stadium like the Big House. This has been this is not something new that they just designed. This has been the way forever. It hasn't happened before, you know, it's not like this is the first year that the two teams were walking up in the same tunnel. This is just barbaric and thuggish behavior by the Spartan players against the, the Wolverine players. You know what? If you don't stop being, you, they put up more of an effort in the tunnel to beat up those Michigan players than they did on the field where it actually yeah. matters. They're frustrated because they got their ass kicked and they take it out after the game well, they gave their what Mel Tucker this huge contract after doing well, and Michigan State's just been really bad since then. Yep. So I mean, these large contracts just just don't do it. Nope. Don't do it in baseball. Don't do it anywhere. Don't do it in football. Don't do it. Don't give people seven or eight year deals. The other the other ugly moment happened on the field, and it was the game between. Miami and Virginia, no touchdowns in the game, four overtimes, Miami won 14-12. It was 6-6 at the end of regulation. Just awful. Just gross, gross, gross. South Carolina looked like they were doing something. They lose to Missouri. Yep. Uh, North Carolina 7-1. This was a good week to not watch. I didn't watch much at all because there wasn't anything I cared about. Notre Dame, Syracuse, Syracuse are frauds. Yep. Your all your A and M update. They're three and five. I hope they miss the bowl game. I think that's a serious bull bond or not. I'm going to say no. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Three I, and five. Well, well, I think we'll be picking them this week here in bowl bound or not. Whether or not like that, that's one of the teams. Uh, that they don't need to win three of their past. They need to win three of their last four. Thank goodness they get UMass. I mean, it could come down to that final game against LSU. They're not beating LSU. 
I'd like to see Florida beat them and just like at, if they can't beat Florida, I don't think they're getting in because at, at Auburn the game they got to win. Yeah, well, Auburn just fired Brian Harson, head coach. Amazed that he lasted that long. Uh, the two biggest games this week, bar, bar none, are in the SEC, and the biggest game of the year, like Alabama Tennessee, was the biggest game of the year a couple weeks back. Now we get Tennessee at Georgia. Tennessee number one in the country in the CFP. Uh, rankings, which it doesn't mean much at this point. It doesn't mean anything, really. Uh, just keep winning. It'll all work itself out. But they're playing Georgia. This is to get... Uh, the, essentially, this game decides who is going to Atlanta to represent the SEC East in the SEC Championship game. I think it means more to Georgia because Tennessee's already beaten Alabama, and that's a feather in their cap. Uh, I mean, but the same could be said for Tennessee, that it matters more to them because then you're almost guaranteeing yourself a spot in the college football playoff, even if you lose in the SEC championship game, because they wouldn't be playing the conference championship weekend should they lose to Georgia. And then you'd have to worry about all these other squads like Clemson or Ohio State, TCU, someone like that. If they keep winning health, even the Oregon Ducks, if they can uh, keep on playing as well as they did uh, they have so far uh since that week one loss to georgia but ultimately georgia's resume doesn't look as good as tennessee's and now you have nolan smith the linebacker out for the rest of the year um yeah and so well i you know georgia beating oregon i guess that's kind of close. That's I, it. That is the only thing they can hang their head on. Because yeah. we've been talking about, because I think most people think Georgia's going to win. Um, like, Georgia's not been tested this year. They've been quite a good team since Oregon, and that was just, you know, nearly a 50-point blowout. And that it was essentially a home game. No neutral site in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Go, go to hell with that. I mean, Oregon, then, Oregon is flying cross-country. I'd argue Tennessee-Alabama's a bigger game because... Like, Tennessee had to win that one. Because mm-hmm. if Tennessee loses that one, then they have to beat Georgia. Yep. So this is this is kind of a bonus game for Tennessee because yes. I don't think there's any way you can leave Tennessee out. Even if they lose this game and have one loss, I guess the only way they could is if Alabama wins the conference. Then you have three one-loss teams in the SEC, and I don't see Tennessee getting it. Right. I mean, that's the only way, only way that happens. I, and I think, yeah, if they beat Georgia, it all but solidifies their spot in the college football playoff unless they were to lose two of their final three games, which I don't see happening, but that would be the only way. Whereas for Georgia... And I don't... But if, but if Georgia's left out of the title game, of the conference title game, I don't see the justification for putting Georgia in the playoff. I agree. As they want... I don't... They're, they don't have the wins... I agree. Um, you're going to have, you know, I think right now it's pretty clear cut. Clemson's going to get in. Ohio State's going to get in. Mm-hmm. Ohio State or Michigan. That's a, that's a playing game because neither of those teams are losing to Illinois. Yep. You have two SEC teams. Is it going to be Alabama and Georgia? Is it going to be Georgia and Tennessee? Mm-hmm. What, what is it going to be? So I think... Things are pretty clear-cut at this moment, but five weeks out, you know, Ohio State, Clemson, two SEC teams. Well, you have a, a what if what if TCU stays undefeated? I don't. If they do, then they're in. But I don't. I mean, I would put TCU in over Clemson. That's for sure. 
What if what if Oregon wins out? The only thing I disagreed with really was with the with the playoff is that TCU was not over Alabama. Yep. And Alabama's one loss is not a bad loss at all. It no. just isn't. But, it, it, it's but again, so- Alabama hasn't beaten anybody. TCU's beaten better teams. Yep. I just, and um, I think Oregon could sneak in. They need stuff to happen in front of them. But Oregon is not out of this by any stretch. They need to, of course, win out. Um, But if you look at their season, if they win the Pac-12 championship game, assuming they play USC, that would be the likely uh, opponent. And you look at their resume, and they had one bad loss to a Georgia squad who might have, you know, either be undefeated or one loss. I, I that's that's a tough and that's the the beginning of the season and that's a tough that's be tough for me to look at and say yeah I could leave Oregon out but it depends on what happens with TCU and Clemson and this Tennessee Georgia like there's so much that that is still yet to be decided and that's why I think I, I think there's one playoff spot left yeah. I think we know three of the four. The SEC winner's getting in, yep. the Big Ten winner's getting in, and Clemson is getting in. That leaves one spot. That leaves you know a second SEC team, a Pac-12 one-loss team, or a Big 12 winner. And if it's not TCU, then it's not anybody. And TCU, they've got Iowa State. They should beat them. They've got Baylor. They should beat them. Texas. They got Texas Tech this week, and the big one's at Texas. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to beat Texas. That is the one game I don't think they're going to win. Mm-hmm. And then what is the what is the Big 12 title game going to be? I have no idea at this point. Probably TCU versus somebody. Yeah, it could be Kansas State. could be an all-purple. Like, could be, yeah, Kansas State, we forgot about them. I mean, if they run the table... They've got one loss. Who the hell did they lose to? They lost to Tulane, which isn't an awful loss, as awful as it looked early on. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Tulane might be that, you know, maybe, uh, I think uh, Brett McMurphy had that rematch in the Cotton Bowl this week. Tulane, I think it was Tulane, Kansas State. Oh, wow. Which I didn't realize until now, yeah, they did play. So, yeah, I think it's one spot. I think there's probably five teams for one spot. I tell right you, I would tell I tell you this right now. I would take for sure a one loss Oregon Ducks team over an undefeated Clemson squad. And I would maybe take a one loss TCU team over an undefeated Clemson squad. Now whether or not the college football playoff committee ultimately yeah. decides that remains to be seen. But if we're looking at it down the, the down the stretch here, I would I they likely won't. They'll likely take Clemson. But I would take – if you're just looking at resumes and looking at wins, I will take Oregon and TCU over Clemson. I agree with that. I also think there's no way Clemson doesn't get in if they're undefeated. I I agree with that. I just – They should not because there's a possibility that there will be no ACC teams in the top 25. They should have lost – to Syracuse two weeks ago. Yeah. Like, Clemson... And, you know, they, maybe, you know, they got maybe North Carolina in the, in the title game. We'll see how that goes. Right. And, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, the the the, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish can take care of business this week against Clemson yeah, at home and just end 
the discussion that in that regard about if Clemson will be in the. Uh, well, I'm mean, gonna learn a lot about how good Georgia is. Yeah. Early on, Georgia looked unbeatable, uh, but now now they don't. So, um, yeah, this exciting game, Georgia Tennessee. Yeah, this is a. This is a must-watch game. This is a, I'm not doing anything for the next four hours. I want to watch this football game. Yes, and it will take four hours. because. Can anybody stop this Tennessee offense? Georgia's defense, what do we got? They've not looked as great recently. So. And Nolan yeah. Smith, their linebacker, is out for the rest of the year with a peck injury. That's big. That is significant. Yep, it is. So, yeah, Georgia has to win because if they don't, I don't think they're getting in the playoffs. Agreed. Agreed. I think it, I just think the one if Tennessee has the one loss and because you aren't playing on on conference championship Saturday, while I think they should be in, you still would need certain things to happen. I think from various conference champions for you not get in. That's I think Tennessee. Yeah, it, once it comes down to it, Tennessee should be in the playoff if this is their only loss, mm-hmm. and they don't get Oregon. If it's yeah. competitive and they lose, they should be. In. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, World Series. The uh, game three was rained out. Well, it was one one there in Houston because Houston blew a uh, Justin Verlander blew a five nothing lead in game one, and then Houston failed to show up. They just got trounced uh, Tuesday night in game three in Philly. They lose seven nothing. I Houston is by far the better team. I don't like. Is Philly caught lightning in a bottle here to be able to win? Uh, these games, what, did Houston just forget how to play? I don't, I don't know. Uh, Philadelphia had a great, um, great defensive play in the bottom of the ninth in game one to force it to extras, where they ultimately won. Uh, that ball drops there in right field. Houston's going to win that game six to five. They ultimately lose six to five. But if no one can beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia, uh, so I. While I think Houston can or perhaps will take a game in Philadelphia to force the series back to Houston, where I would put more money on Houston winning two games at home than I would Philadelphia, this is by no means a, a, a home run, pun intended, um, just with the way Philadelphia's played. I just I don't get it. Um, and the, the, I think the extra day of rain, or the, the extra day off there, helped Philadelphia for their starting rotation. Probably, if uh, I mean the Phillies are tough, they're just very tough. They've been, I mean, they, they've gotten good pitching. Their offensive—they've been hitting a ton of home runs. I didn't watch it last night. I've enjoyed the first two games of the World Series. I mean, first game, first game was really good. Five nothing lead. They blew it. Great comeback by the Phillies. And then game two, Astros win. I think this is going seven. Good news for Houston. They play Aaron Nola. They face Aaron Nola tonight. And they knocked him around in game one, despite the loss. They got to him pretty good. They got, what, five runs and five innings. Verlander is a terrible World Series pitcher. This is his fifth World Series. I think his ERA is north of seven. He just does not pitch well in the World Series. He's a Hall of Famer, but he is awful. In the World Series, they should have taken him out of that game in game one sooner than they did. Mm-hmm. You cannot lose a 5 nothing lead in the World Series. At home. At home. Unacceptable. Third inning, they should have pulled them. So it's not your night. 
Astros have a great bullpen. They're not using it. Lance McCullers got shelled last night, and they just didn't score. So if you want to save your bullpen last night, that's fine because you just didn't score anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. But you need need to have a quicker hook on these pitchers because we're getting down to it. You know, if you're down 2-3-0 in the third inning and your starter's not effective, you get them out of there. You've got eight, eight quality arms of the bullpen. Use them. You didn't use them last night. You didn't use them Monday because there wasn't a game. Use your bullpen, guys, because you've got maybe three or four games left in the season. So um, this is a must-win for the Astros tonight because they've got Verlander tomorrow, and I don't think that's going to go well. Yep. Well, and, and so, Houston's bullpen is far deeper and stronger than Philly's. Philly has two or three yeah. guys that are really good. But after that, it's it's suspect. Houston can just throw guy after guy after guy at at, at you, and you're not going to have a whole lot of success. So the Ast- the Astros can throw 18 shutout innings against the Mariners, yes, and still have about I don't know six or seven innings in the tank to say you want to go 25 innings. Yeah, we got enough pitching here to go 25. Mm-hmm. So use your guys. Yep. All right, so I. Yeah, if it comes down to a bullpen game, certainly I'm going to take uh, the Astros. But, all right. And I don't like Lance McCullers was so awful last night, boy. And he could maybe start a game seven. I don't know how you start him in a game seven. Are they going Valdez? Because that, that was just awful. They're going Valdez game four? Uh, Christian Javier. Oh, Lord. I, I... Who, who, I, I, who I really like. He's a guy that bounces between starting in the bullpen he should be a starter. He strikes out a boatload of guys. I feel very confident he threw in a combined no-hitter against the Yankees earlier this year. He, I think he's going to have – I think Houston wins tonight. I think Christian Javier shuts down this team. So it's the game four is a bullpen game for the Astros. Well, Christian Javier is the star. I mean, he can throw – he's their starter. He's a starter. Well, I know that, but, like, do we expect him to go – Deep in yeah, the game. Yeah, he goes six innings. I, but why wouldn't you throw Valdez out there? I feel like this is a game, if you need a statement, we've seen um, Valdez. Valdez just pitched on Saturday, so this is only three days later. I know. It's... Like, like Christian Javier, I think, is a plenty good pitcher. Okay. In his last four starts, he's given up five hits. Well, would you? Okay, so let's say Houston loses game four. Would you still pitch Verlander in Game Five in a, a must? Yeah, he, he's your best guy, even though he just has not pitched well. I like, yeah, he's your he's your guy. I like, would kill Valdez. Yeah, I, I really would. If it if it comes to an elimination game in Philly to get us back to Houston, like if they win tonight, it's a moot point. You know, throw Verlander out for Game Six. That's fine, or Game Game Five. I mean, but if if they lose Game Four, I and. Everyone will know that by the time they listen to this podcast. But they lose game four, I would absolutely throw Valdez in over Verlander. They, no, they, they're they not going to do that. They, I, but they're not going to. I, I know. I, I just think they should. I think it would make a lot more sense. Like Christian Javier, I I, I feel like he's like the most underrated pitcher in baseball. Okay. Like he threw, he threw 148 innings this season. He had 194 strikeouts. He had nearly 50 more strikeouts than innings pitched. Wow. Like that is, he gave up 89 hits. He threw 60 more innings than hits. 
Like, I don't know what more they want from him. Like, he should be one of their five starters, but he kind of goes in between the bowl. He had 25 starts. So, he had five in the third innings versus the Yankees, gave up one hit. He had six innings against Tampa Bay in the last week of the regular season, gave up two hits. He hasn't, I don't know, the last, the last time he gave up a run as a starter was September 7th. Wow. That was two months ago. He hasn't given up a run as a starter in two months. It's been 26, seven innings. So, yeah, they, yeah, he's really good. So, I expect him to pitch well tonight. So, when we talk next week, who's winning the World Series? I, at this point, I'm going to say Philadelphia. I need I need Houston to prove it to me. I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Astros. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Philadelphia because they're, they're on a roll right now. Game seven would be Sunday night. Um, I think it's going to be a game seven on Sunday night. I'm going to say Houston wins tonight. They lose tomorrow. Houston wins game six and seven at home. All right. Very good. A uh, couple last things here to close. Uh, Jack Rabbits play Northern Iowa this week. We, I don't know what uh, the status of Bachman is. Uh, we, the, the, the Jacks had a linebacker for, called for targeting last week. I think there was a little bullshit. Uh, I don't know if that got rescinded throughout the week. Otherwise, you're, doubt, you're not playing the first half of this game against Northern Iowa. This is a trap game. Does SDSU prevail against Northern Iowa? Yeah, they got it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. They do, yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, I failed to mention this a couple weeks back, but Brittany Griner, uh, of course, being jailed in Russia uh, for a, 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 what accounts to a very minor charge, but Russia is making this a political statement because of the U.S. helping Ukraine in the war and everything like that. Uh, she had an appeal. Uh, the appeal was denied. She's got eight years in prison. It's just a terrible situation. It's absolute and utter ludicrous and bullshit. We can't forget about her and hopefully keep fighting to try and get her out of jail, but uh, it doesn't look good right now. No. Uh, you know, you go to Russia because you don't, get enough, you don't get enough money here as a WNBA star, so you have to pay a play in Russia. Yeah. That's a sad That's a sad state of affairs that I think that should be a wake-up call for America. And it's one of those things where... You know the rules, and you know Russia's not good. Yep. Number one, don't go to Russia. Or and maybe leave her. before the war happens. I don't know. And yeah, it's like, you go, don't go to Russia, one. Well, you have to because they don't play, pay you enough in the WNBA. Okay. Don't get caught with marijuana. It's okay here. It's not okay over there. So she's at fault. Is she getting screwed in this case? Yes. But... Like everybody completely understands why, and yeah, it it's just the charge is incredibly excessive, and she's being made. It is. It is. And she's being made. Uh, like and, if, and, and then the point's been made that if this was a big time NBA star, they would. If the circumstances were there was an NBA star that got caught with the same stuff she did in Russia, mm-hmm. they they'd be out by now. Yeah. Yep. They would. If Le, if LeBron James was caught, if Kevin Durant was caught with something. Uh, they would be out of Russia by now. All the more reason for the uh, the Russian hockey players in the NHL: uh, Alexander Ovechkin, Kirill Kaprizov, uh, uh, 
Tarashenko. Um, Sidney, Sidney Crosby. Yeah, no, he can't. No, he's, oh, he's, he's not Russian. No, he's, he's not, not Russian, unfortunately. Evgeny Malkin, though, his teammate. I wish they would step up and say something, but they're caught in a predicament because it is their home country. They probably still have a lot of family there. If they say anything against Russia, their family becomes a target. It's a bad situation overall, but uh, at some point you got to draw draw the line. Who does, who does Chris Pronger play for? Chris Pronger used to play for the Ducks. Does he uh, play for the retirement league now? Or is he... I, think he's, I think he's retired, yes. Okay. Um, and I remember he was just on a video game 20 years ago. So. <laughs> yeah. NHL uh, Center Ice or something like that? No, not Center Ice. Uh, I didn't Gretzky, have, uh, on Wayne my Gretzky. computer back like in 2000. Okay. The Wayne Gretzky. Three or something. The Wayne Gretzky <laughs> hockey game. I didn't have a hockey game. Yeah. Oh, that's very good. The Wayne Gretzky hockey game on the N64. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, basketball news. Steve Nash gets fired from the Brooklyn Nets. That's a blessing in disguise, I think, for him because this Nets team is an abomination and oh, embarrassment. They're just a, they're a joke right now. Um, and then they're going to hire the coach that was suspended for a full year for having an inappropriate relationship with someone within the Boston Celtics organization because they're making the Sacramento Kings look like a model franchise. And that is very tough to do because for years, the Sacramento Kings are the most dysfunctional team in the NBA, if not all of sports. The Brooklyn Nets are, are taking that, uh, no doubt. So. Like good, good, good for Steve Nash to get out of there. Yes. Yeah. Like good for him to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. So, like, Kyrie Irving needs to be done. Yes. Like, if any, like, you want to blackball guys from sports, blackball him from sports. Well, exactly. And um, but I'm he's a guy to... like a Deshaun Watson who's really talented, so they're not going to do that. Like, he hasn't even been suspended. Like Anthony Edwards had a suspension for whatever he said. Mm-hmm. Like a homophobic thing. There was another player last year for like the Pacers who was like suspended and fined for something he said like on a video game stream. Yep. So there's a precedent for suspending people for saying stupid stuff. Yeah, the anti-Semitic stuff for those that aren't aware. And it's kind of too late now because this is what a week old or something. It's like yeah. it's all right, nothing's happened. If I if I were the NBA, I'd be embarrassed about what's going on in Brooklyn, especially yeah. with the stars there, because you could you could almost say. The inmates are running the asylum because Kevin Durant in the offseason said, hey, fire Nash or trade me. Like, that, those are your options. And then he ultimately And, and he called it. his bluff, and they didn't either. They didn't trade him, and they didn't fire Steve Nash. Yep. And then... That tells you what type of pull Kevin Durant has got. And if you're Durant, you're like, I'm done. I'm not playing anymore. Trade me. Pull a Ben Simmons. Pull a whoever. He's non-existent in, in Brooklyn, too. So Saying, I am... I'm not playing with this team anymore. This didn't work out. Trade me like you did did James Harden. Get me out of here. Trade me anywhere. I don't care. I don't want to play with your team anymore. I'm done playing. Find me a new spot to play. Like He's done that very often in his career, as we know. Mm-hmm. Signed with anybody and everybody, so I don't know why he's continuing to stay in Brooklyn. Last thing for me, and then if you have anything else before we say so long, we can definitely get to that. But uh, uh, last week uh, for college football, your game of the week, Ohio State-Penn State. Uh, Upset of the week, you had Oklahoma State over Kansas State and TCU uh, against West Virginia. Uh, Your watch-your-ass game of the week was Illinois against Nebraska. What do you got this week? Oh, Christ. Oh, game of the week, Tennessee-Georgia. That is... uh... That's obvious right there. 
let me take a peek at the old schedule here. Yeah, last week was not a good week for for Paris. Nebraska's quarterback got hurt. So that didn't help things. And then this week's a lot better than last week for four games. Oh, let's see. Um, watch your ass game of the week. Mm-hmm. North Carolina. North Carolina at three and five Virginia. Okay, there we go. UNC is a seven seven and a half point favorite. Oh, and an upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, wait. Before you get to your upset here, someone has a uh, uh, as a little. Beef oh yes, with you. yes. I have a huge beef with you, Travis. I was oh, you got a, a bone. Seven, yes, I've got a bone. You got a bone to pick with me. Yes. yes. Seven, seven zero. Oh, seven, seven and oh. For fantasy, that which is never going to happen again, and you took me out. Really? I took you out. It was, uh, we're, he... we're undefeated streaks come to die. You blame yes. me. And then, um, I'm going for the stack and family sweep this week. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's going to happen. It's death taxes and you beating me in fantasy football, which, by the way, now you have Aaron Rodgers starting because Kelsey dropped him. Yes. Also, I made a mistake dropping, uh, uh, to a Terry McLaurin. Ah, yeah. Um, I did not mean to do I that. I want a rematch, and this time I will have Mahomes in. That that, oh, yeah, and then, uh, I, I caught you on a good week. You didn't have Mahomes. That helped greatly. Yeah. And I had one of my better weeks, and it still was closer than I wanted it to at the end. It was like, oh, I feel pretty comfortable here. You had, like, what, a defensive player, and you had Hayden Hurst, and I had, like, a... I still had to switch up four people and, like, do a bunch of things just to even try. And it came closer than I wanted it to. Well, it was that like, makes me feel better. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully I don't have to face you again because you're 7-0. and You should win that division. And, yeah, whoa, I don't whoa, like my chances yes, if we you. play again. You heard it here. Whoa. I should win. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm in the yeah. same division with her. And... I know. You're, you're freaking, what, three games back still. So you're. Oh, she is really, she's really enjoying that. No, oh, good, she yeah, she's got it, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, good pick. Yes, and Travis Kelsey. So, uh, anyway, she needed to get in a little word edgewise with good, you for that. Good, good, um, But upsets. I will say, I mean, your team is, I mean, I'm seeing your team, like, put up 170, 80 points on a somewhat regular basis. Yes. And I'm like, you've got two on your bench, and you've got Jalen Hurts, and you've got Jefferson. What do you get? You got Tony Pollard or? Yep, Tony Pollard was big last week. I mean, you've got, you know, 30, 35 point guys up and down this lineup. So. Aaron Jones. I got DeAndre Swift if he ever wants to step like, it up. Like, if you can make Jaylen the playoffs, Waddle. like, you've got a really good team. Yeah. Jalen Waddle. I mean, that's a, he's, he's the best. Yes. And me, I'm just kind of, I, I, mean, I think I do have the wild card at the moment, and I'm just kind of. I had, a, I had a very good week last week, and I pick up Aaron Rodgers, and I have Geno Smith, and he did fine, and Tom Brady's been awful, so I got rid of him. But I'm hoping like Rodgers against Detroit. If it wasn't Detroit, I probably wouldn't play him. Yep, yep. But I figured, oh, if you can't do anything against that defense, then we got an issue. So I'm hoping to steal a week there. I, I meant to yeah. release Curtis Samuel instead of McLaurin. For Washington, picking up a guy, so that was a whoops on my part. 
I really hope because I have both individual defensive players on the bye this week. I am very yeah. So you've got the defense too on a bye, I think. Yes. Yep. So I I picked up the Ravens taking on the Saints Monday night. I think that will be okay. I have like I think I have the Ravens and then maybe that's it. Um, Monday night. So I need. Oh no. I'm projected to win by two points. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's it's a bad week. You're hitting me on the buys a little bit here. Um, John, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, I got to, if not consider cutting him, at least benching him, because he has been awful and hurt. Yeah. I And he did not practice this week, so. It, it's really big for me Thursday night because I got both Jalen Hurts and um, Damian uh, Pierce, the Pierce, running back yeah. for the Texans. So I need, I need Pierce to score me a touchdown but I need Jalen Hurts to put up a whole bunch of points. That will ultimately decide, because I think all of your guys essentially are playing at noon on Sunday, and I have two guys maybe after the noon slot. So that, if I'm down by like 15, 20 points going into Monday night, I have a shot. That's it, though. I had Deontay Freeman on my bench, and he had 31. So that was a bit. So I'm a bench Taylor and start him. And my my MVP by a long shot has been Tyreek Hill. Yes, but like he's been excellent. So, yeah, it, it should be close. I usually win. Yes, you um, do. I don't know this week. I don't know. Aaron Rodgers needs to do something. I hope not, but because you're playing me, he will probably put up forty. We need that. We need that. Uh, upsets of the week or upset of the week in college football. There's a bunch of these that are like you know like two three point favorites. An upset would be Kansas beating Oklahoma State. Kansas only a two-point favorite. Kansas kind of struggling now. Like Oklahoma State only a two-point favorite on the road. Now you would think Oklahoma State should win that game. Maybe their quarterback is hurt. I don't know. So you're taking Kansas against no. Kansas? No, no, okay. No, an upset... Memphis to beat UCF. Okay. Or Kansas State to beat Texas. Texas is a two and a half point favorite on the road. Okay, I put both down. Oh, I'm, I'm interested in that game. I'll take Kansas State. Pretty good. I want Kansas State to win as well. Keep the purple uh, title game alive. Yeah. Uh, that's it for me. Anything else you have before we say so long? Uh, people got to vote Tuesday. I recommend voting before that. Um, it's a big election. You feel like the you know every every election's big, but you feel like things are trending in a way where, like the Republicans have no ideas. Their platform is: if we win the election, it was fair. If we lost, it was rigged. Mm-hmm. That's what they're. That's what they're reduced to. And we're, this is what we're going to take away. Yeah, and this is what we don't want you to do. So, it's good versus evil in my mind. And the rigged election thing, like that wasn't a thing before Trump brought it up in 2016. Right. I'd never heard of, oh, this election was rigged. I'd never yep. heard of it. And elections aren't rigged, and it kind of separates the smart people from the dumb people. So it's, I love presidential election nights. In in in, in a couple of years, I, I should probably take Wednesday, the next Wednesday off yep. after election day, so I can stay up all night to, to watch this stuff. Yep. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. But 
I, I yeah, seeing, seeing it's, it's a bigger divide, a bigger divide, yeah. a bigger split. I fear it's not going to go well the way that I would like to, that perhaps you would like to and stuff. That's my fear. That's the way it's kind of projecting right now. Uh, hopefully I'm wrong, but uh, I'm expecting to be disappointed uh, late Tuesday night, early Wednesday. I think it'll be fine. I think the Republicans will win. I think they'll win the House and the Democrats will maybe have a 51-49 advantage in the Senate. Georgia and Pennsylvania are the the keys. Um, I think yeah, I think they'll win Pennsylvania. I I think they'll win Georgia with Herschel Walker for Christ's sake. I, you would think, if much as they are talking about how bad they, John Fetterman is, that they would look in the mirror at Herschel Walker. Hey, I think Fetterman wins. I think Herschel Walker loses. I think Christine Ohm wins. But there was. A couple weeks ago, SDSU had a poll that was pretty much exactly what the results were four years ago. Mm-hmm. And then there was a poll last week that showed she had a big lead. I tend to believe the first poll that was closer, because I don't, I don't know of anybody who didn't vote for her four years ago that would now vote for her. Oh yeah. So who who voted for Billy Sutton last time out? I would say, you know what? I really like what she's done. I'm going to vote for her now. But I could see people saying, you know what? I voted for Christy Nome last time out. I don't like what she's been doing, so I'm going to vote for the other guy. Mm-hmm. It's a far better chance of it being the latter than the former. So I still think she wins by... Four points, three, three, four points, like 51, 48, something like that. And then hopefully on Wednesday she announces she'll run for president, pure vice president. You know, I, I expect that next year. She will be, she wants to be president. Yeah. And if that, she'll settle as Trump's VP. Yeah. So hopefully we can get rid of her that way. But Jamie Smith seems like a nice guy. Sure does. Um, and actually cares about South Dakota. Yeah. And it'd be nice to have him as governor. But boy, it says something that a Republican in this state has to eke out a, in back-to-back elections, a three, four-point victory. It yeah. says something. It says that people don't like what you're doing. Yep. So we'll see what happens. I'll be excited to see. Boy, if he could pull off that upset, that would be, that would be incredible. Mm-hmm. I don't see it happening. But... Yeah, it's like I don't see anybody voting for her like that. And now that case, I don't, I don't, don't see that happening. Nope. Nope. So. It will be interesting to see. Uh, we'll, we'll probably talk about it headed into next week or uh, whatnot. So uh, definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, and then certainly reaction a couple weeks from now. So uh, anything else we need to get to before we say so long? Next week, college college basketball next week. Yes, a, big, a preview next that week. Starts. That's big. Gonzaga and talks of joining the Big Ten or Big Twelve. Apparently, is the news out there. So, oh, there you go. It'll be interesting. But yes, college basketball season starts next week, and we will uh, have a preview. We will. I'll be excited. Yes, looking forward to it. All right, you have a great rest of the week, my friend. Good luck this week in kicking my ass in yeah. fantasy. Is, is, is Charlie the program this week? Uh, Charlie is on the program this week. Yep. Bull uh, or not? Did you see his Halloween costume? Yes. Okay, yeah. Uh, if you're not going to mention it, 
tell them great Halloween costume from Mitchell. Okay, I will. I will definitely <laughs> do that. Definitely. Old town loved it. Old town loved it. All right. Very good. Thank you, my friend. Have a great rest of your week. All right. I'll see you later. Travis Crims joining me here on Sports Block Podcast. As always, great stuff there. Uh, plenty, uh, plenty of stuff uh, that we reacted to, talked about, and all that uh, jazz. So, um, yeah, NFL trade deadline just beyond bizarre. Busy. It was exciting. Vikings get better. Dolphins get better. That that's pretty much it. Their Packers don't do anything. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, we're gonna do some more. We're gonna talk more football, though. More college football next. Bull bound or not makes its triumphant return. That is all that needs to be said. Charlie Hildebrand next to play bull bound or not. That's coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast, Podcast.com and on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stack and Facebook Nathan Stack and Travis Crins on Twitter at Travis Crins. Link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Bull bound or not makes its season debut next here on the Sports Block Podcast. We are continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, and it's time to talk some college football. Who better to do that with than my good friend from the Northwest Iowa Review, our resident college football expert, Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, how we doing? Let me tell you something, brother. No, I'm uh, I'm pretty good stacking. How are you, bud? Good. Um, was that Hulk Hogan there? Is that what, uh, what that we were was, going with? That was my Hulk Hogan impression, Very yeah. Good. I want his Hulk. We are recording this on uh, Monday, which is Halloween. Yes. Later in the evening, after the trick-or-treating's done. And I, uh, I was Hulk Hogan for Halloween. And by for Halloween, I mean I wore it to work. And then I took off my uh, little bow-up scarf thing and uh, bandana and sunglasses. And then just worked, uh, you know, put them in a drawer and worked normally. Now, it I is, did not keep that stuff on all day at work. Now, it has been a couple of weeks. Is the bleach blonde uh, hair and mustache gone? No, it's all still. I don't have the full beard anymore. I shaved everything except a handlebar mustache because yep. that's what Hulk Hogan has or usually had, and I kept that because about a day or two after getting it bleached, I thought like, oh hey, if I've still got this on Halloween, I got a few different options I can do, and that was one of the first ones I thought of. Partially just because the first time I ever remember betting not money on a game, if you remember, some twelve years ago. When Crins and I bet, when the Dolphins and the Vikings played, had that mustache bet, and then the Dolphins won, so Travis had to have a mustache for a week, and he uh, did the Hulk Hogan handlebar mustache. Ah, they're very good. So I didn't plan it that way, but it's kind of an interesting symmetry. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. The, the symmetry uh, there aligns quite well. Well, this is a, a great week for us on the Sports Block Podcast because – it's the return of bull bound or not, and we have we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But tons of excitement regarding that, and that's what we'll spend the majority of the time talking about. But let's go back, just look at what happened week nine. Um, I don't know, not a whole lot of note. I, like I guess Notre Dame's upset win over Syracuse qualifies as stunning. I think the arguably the most stunning result was. Kansas State just kicking the crap out of Oklahoma State. I don't think it's necessarily surprising that K-State won, but it's how they won that really, I think, caught the attention of a lot of people. 
Yeah, I don't know what Joe Biden's up to right now, but I do wonder if he's going to send the feds down there to investigate that murder that happened on Saturday. Because <laughs> they just straight up, I mean, like you said, I'm not stunned that Kansas State won. If you would have told me Kansas State had went 31 28 or, you know, 35 24 or something, I'd be like, yeah, all right, I can see that. Yeah, just absolutely destroyed him. And didn't even have starting quarterback Adrian Martinez, Kansas State did. Right. Just absolutely. Yeah, there's would have never seen I would not have guessed that they would win by seven touchdowns. I mean, are we kind of look looking at a potential I don't know, K-State, TCU, Big 12 championship game? How weird is that going to be? Yeah, all-purple all Big 12 title yes. game? Yeah, I mean, <coughs> you know, there's there's times that when we do this, Zach, and that you and I occasionally get a bit ahead of ourselves. So there's still games to be played, but as of right now, it definitely looks like that's where this is at. TCU, winners against West Virginia. West Virginia, one of the more disappointing teams, I would say, in college football this year. Other um, other games of note, I guess UCF beat Cincinnati, so we can forget about the Natty going for a Natty this year, or getting to you know the the group of six uh, games. Shall we say that's probably going to Tulane at this point? Tulane has to be the favorite for that. Wake Forest had eight turnovers in their loss to Louisville. That was very bad. And then not not just eight total. They had six in the third quarter. I don't know if I've heard of a team having. I, I I have seen eight turnovers in a game by one team before. Mm-hmm. You know, not not very often, but I think twice before. I've never heard of six in one quarter though. Yeah, that's in. Right, I think if I remember right, I think I saw that they had seven drives in the second in the third quarter, and six of them ended in turnovers. Which is, I think, the last one was a pick six on their, like their last play of the quarter. When SDS. I don't know how wrong. Like, that's about as wrong as you could have things go. When SDSU lost to James Madison, didn't they have, like, seven or not? Like, didn't they have, like, nine turnovers in the game? Seven? It was a bunch. I don't remember the specific number. The one that I – the other one I remember was in 2009 when uh, Dominick and Nebraska had, like, the best defense in the country. And uh, they only gave up nine points to Iowa State and lost because they had eight turnovers in the game. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. Um, and, like, two of them were when guys were running into the end zone, and, like, one guy just fumbled the ball when no one touched him. And, like, another one was, like, someone punched a ball from behind. And, yeah. So, but anyways, that's that's basically what happened to Wake Forest, more or less. Yeah, no kidding. And I think, I guess, Sam Hartman has one of these games every year or so, and this was definitely... Uh, a bad time to have it. Uh, other games of note, Ohio State beats Penn State. They were trailing a little bit in that game. Yeah, I mean, it's a rivalry game. It's in Happy Valley. Ohio State wins, though, because that's what Ohio State does. Um, perhaps just an awful... like re- Remember the, the Penn State-Illinois game from last year? All those ridiculous overtimes and the two-point Yeah, no, it was... Yeah, it was- as bad as we thought that was, who would have thought that Miami and Virginia would outpace that on Saturday? Yes, a very good. An I'm even gl- worse one with fewer points. Yes, I'm glad you knew exactly where I was going. 14-12 and four overtimes. Now, that doesn't sound too bad until you look at it and realize, oh my gosh, it was 6-6 at the end of regulation. 
Uh, both offenses were just trash. Um, no touchdowns in the game. No touchdowns. It's just two-point conversion bullshit. Um, and yet, here's the most frustrating part. And we'll we'll get to this team either this week or next week. But Miami's two wins away from bowl eligibility. This team does not deserve a bowl game at all. I I would agree with that. I mean, and to be fair, things could change over the last month of the season. Maybe they really do start clicking. But up to now, they've really looked bad. And and it could just be that it's something weird in the first year under Mario Cristobal. I don't know. But I would imagine, I mean, not that I thought Miami was going to go undefeated this year. But I think we probably, both you and I probably thought that, like, oh, hey, Cristobal was good at Oregon. Now that he's going back to Miami, he's going to be good there, right? And it's like, man, it's not, it's not gone in year one how we thought it went necessarily. No. And I think it just makes you wonder, like, yes, they'll, they'll be better next year as he gets more recruits in and the year after that. But is it going to be to the extent that we thought it could be with Miami? Eh, maybe not. Um, and then, again, like, this, was, this wasn't this was a great week of college football, the slate-wise. Now, we did have, you know, several upsets and stuff, which we thought could happen. And, you know, maybe there's not as much chaos as we saw earlier in the season. But the chaos, the most chaotic moment, arguably, from the weekend happened in the tunnel at the Big House in Ann Arbor where four Spartans players, or five, however many, were just going after beating down a Michigan Wolverine after the Wolverines' 29-7 win over their in-state rivals. Um, it, it's a bad look. Uh, Jim, or... Uh, uh, John Harbaugh want or no Jim Harbaugh excuse me Jim Harbaugh wants charges filed against the Spartan players. Mel Tucker has come out with a statement. The head coach of Michigan State. Uh, it sounds like maybe the players will be suspended. I don't think anyone's like determined anything yet, but it's 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 bad. It it it, it was a very bad look for a program that has really underachieved this year. Yeah, it's, it's stupid, and they shouldn't have done that, and I don't want to take or, like, make light of any of that. Everything that the Michigan State guys that did that are, it's stupid, and they should be punished. I do think it's also dumb that, not and not specifically just Michigan, but a lot of these, like, really big money flush schools are like, yeah, I don't know, how about we just have these two teams walk off the field at the same time down the same tunnel? That seems... Like, so, again, I'm not yeah. blaming yeah. – it's still the Michigan State guy's fault for what they did. But it also seems like a lot of this could be avoided if it was just like, I don't know, how about you have two different tunnels and one goes in one way and one goes the other. You could. And then you don't ever have to worry about this. And, like, if you know, I, I, where I am, there's a lot of NAIA schools here. You know, I don't know that Briarcliff in Sioux City – I mean, I don't know if they have any tunnels, but, you know, I don't know if they can be like, yes, we have the money to do this stuff, but – I think everyone in the Big Ten could afford to be like, you know what? How about we have separate entrances and exits for the opposing teams? You know, and that's a totally fair, uh, fair point. I would just counter that with, I mean, this is—it's not like the Big House has been around only for like a couple of years. Like th- this has been, this is a, a, a very old stadium. It's not like this is the first time Michigan State and Michigan have played in years. Like this is, this has been going on and. Like for a very long time, this is just I don't know, you know for lack of a like thuggish behavior, and it's just it, it's bad. I think you gotta almost 
get rid of him. You know, kick him off the team, and then we'll see what happens there. But well, I mean, they still we'll see what happens. But but I, I've not followed it super super closely. I know Michigan State said they're going to suspend him. Good. The Big Ten Conference still has a say in this too, and they could be like, "Yeah, sorry, they're suspended for three and a half years or something like mm-hmm. that." So. I mean, I'm not, I don't know if that will happen or not. I mean, probably not for that long. But but there could still be more to come from this, too. As we're recording this, the college football playoff ranking has not come out yet. It comes out this week, though, their first rankings. What do you expect the rankings to be? I think Georgia will be one. I think Tennessee will be two. Ohio State will be three. And Clemson will be four. That's my guess right now. Where would you put TCU? I think I would put TCU five. I think TCU will be like six or seven, though. I think Alabama is going to be in front of TCU. What about whether they should be or not? I think they will be. And oh, yeah, I forgot about. And Michigan will be in front of TCU also. Isn't that like? I get it you know, from the name recognition, but if you want to look at the, if you were to compare a blind resume, TCU's got the far better resume than Michigan does for sure, and and Clemson. Like if if you look at it right now, TCU uh, at the time they beat an undefeated Kansas squad on the road. Now Kansas has fallen back a little bit, but that's understandable. They beat Kansas State. They beat Oklahoma State. Um, they, they crushed Oklahoma when they were ranked. Like, there's no... Like, true, but I don't care that Oklahoma was ranked when they played. I understand, like, if, if you want to say the Kansas one, I'll maybe give you that. But I don't care about teams that were ranked when they played, but have since gone on to not be good, like Oklahoma has. Okay. I mean, if we're going to say that, then we have to give credit to Michigan for beating Iowa. Because sure. Iowa was undefeated or only had one loss, and I don't think any—I don't think we're going to say. I mean, I think Iowa might be okay to go to a bowl game, but you know they're not going to get to nine wins this year. I don't think. Right. Oh no, for sure, for sure. Um, I mean, I think they mathematically still could, but it's not going to happen. Uh, other items of note. I, so I, I, I do think TCU though has the best path, perhaps, to get to the like to get into that group of like the end of the top four because of the games that they're playing like Clemson's playing against cupcakes for the most part uh I mean the big 12 has been very very good this year so TCU has that path um other item of note Brian Harson out at Auburn uh I'm honestly surprised it took this long maybe there was a buyout deal you know now that we've approached or like getting close to November uh maybe the buyout was a little less but regardless, Harson is out at Auburn, and um, good luck, Auburn. Good good luck. It is funny that you were saying, like, I'm surprised it took this long, and I agree. I'm in the same boat. But if it was any other, almost any other school in the country, we'd be like, oh, my God, you fired him in year two or whatever? Or, like, why are you firing him so soon? But because it's Auburn, we're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe they had him hang around this much longer when they were so clearly going to do this. I mean, it. It, the on-field product isn't good, the and we know how kind of trigger happy Auburn the boosters are down there. Um, there was the whole vaccination, like probably the most trigger happy in the entire country. Probably, yes, 
Yes. I mean, I think based off since, you know, 2012 or whatever, when they fired Gene Chizik, two years after winning the national title, I think, I'm pretty sure that was 2012. So, yeah, so over the last decade, I think they've easily been the most trigger happy. I mean, you just, when we went through the list of potential openings at the beginning of the year, we had Scott Frost at Nebraska, and we thought maybe, like, he could be, no, like first you had Arizona State. Yeah, you had some of these other schools, but I think I think I had Auburn as number one with Brian Harson, just given everything that that had been going on down there. And it's not like Auburn's been any good this year, so I'm very surprised that it took as long as it did. I'm going to be honest. I did. I, I mean, I, I had to cover uh, high school state track some on or across country. I mean, some on Saturday. So it wasn't, I, I, I mean, I've seen what happened in the morning games, but I was driving back during those and then watched the afternoon and evening and night games. But I don't even remember who Auburn played this week. Like, I, that somehow got lost in the shuffle to me. Yep, Arkansas, they lost 41-27. Okay, yeah, that, that tracks then. Losing to a divisional opponent who, you know, Arkansas looked pretty good early in the year, but after a few losses, some of that shines come off. So, and it was at home. I suppose that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's just it. Yeah, I don't know where Auburn goes from here. I, the Iron Bowl this year is just. I hope CBS isn't putting it on at two, like in their their slot. They more than likely will. I'm just going to check the schedule quick. Um, I hope it's not. It more than likely will because they always. Put it there, but this game has no significance at all, really. At this, at this stage, there's far better game, a far better game that you could probably put on from the SEC um, in that in that slot. Texas A and M, Arkansas. Is that or I forget what some of the, the end of the year games are for the newer schools. Just, just they've shifted that around some. Yep. I'm looking at it right now. So we have Missouri and Arkansas in uh, on on Friday. That's the game on Friday. Uh, so that doesn't work because it's not on that day. Right. So the game's on Saturday. Here they are. Uh, Georgia Tech, Georgia. Okay, probably won't nope. do that. Tennessee, Vanderbilt. No. No. South Carolina, Clemson. No, wouldn't do that. It's Auburn, Alabama, and the LSU. I mean, South Carolina, Clemson, it still might be the best one you've said so far. Though. Right. It's just would I, can because it's in Clemson. I don't know if CBS would have the rights to that. Yeah, um, that I don't know either. Uh, you have Auburn, Alabama, LSU, Texas A and M, which I mean A and M. Wow, they are the most disappointing. Uh, team in college football this year, and then Louisville and Kentucky. I, it's almost Auburn, Alabama by default, just based on the schedule. Florida and Florida State don't play that day. Uh, if, nope, they, they are Friday night on ABC. They're Friday also. Yeah. All right, so yeah, so yeah, kind of by default. Then I guess it's going to be Auburn and Alabama. It's just it's bad. Like, hey, know. who knows? You know, there's been the the head coaching or the fired coach bump. Maybe Cadillac Williams, the interim coach, is going to get things going. You never know. Well, week 10 here, uh, it kicks off this week early because Maction is back, baby. We got uh, Mac playing games on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I saw uh, someone, I think, post something on Twitter that now, like, we have 27 straight days of 
at least one football game on college or pro. College or pro. Yep. 27 straight days. I think that was starting last Thursday. Nice. I, I'm always a little bit sad when we get to this point of the year because even though it's not over, you can kind of see where it's getting close to. Mm-hmm. But I do like it when, you know, if you're like, hey, I don't have a lot going on right now. I got some time. What's on? It's like, oh, hey, guess what? You can watch Ball State, Miami of Ohio. Yes. Yeah. Always like that. Yep. And this week, you got Ball State, Kent State, Buffalo, Ohio on Tuesday, Central Michigan, Northern Illinois, and Western Michigan, Bowling Green on Wednesday. So plenty of action uh, to trip your trigger. As it is, as it stands for the rest of Week 10, the big game of the week, of course, is taking place in Athens, Georgia, where uh, number two Tennessee takes on number one Georgia. And this is a game that carries a lot at stake, a lot of significance. Honestly, I feel like for... I feel like this is almost bigger for Georgia because Tennessee's already got that win against Alabama. Like, I feel like if Tennessee loses one game and it's to Georgia and they don't have, if they happen to not make the SEC championship game, I still think they're going to be in the college football playoff. I just don't see how you, you could take that win against Alabama away from them, especially with the way they've looked like last week, killing Kentucky. Um, but, for Georgia, maybe that win against Oregon earlier in the season means a little bit more based on how the Ducks are playing. But I feel like this is a, a, a true statement game for Georgia. We've seen the statement game, the statement win from Tennessee already beating Alabama. Georgia needs this game as a statement win for them. Either way, though, this totally kind of routes the path, the course to not only Atlanta and the SEC championship game representing the East, but the college football playoff in general. Yeah, whoever wins this game is almost certainly going to win the East, and I would say it's going to be ranked number one in the front runner until they lose, if they would lose the rest of the season. Um, I do still think it's a bigger game for Tennessee. I mean, we're, we're talking about in terms of like rankings and voters and stuff, right? Yes, yep. I think Georgia still is going to get a a big benefit of the doubt just being the defending national champs. And as long as they don't get Oklahoma State boat raced like Kansas State did to them, I think Georgia could lose them. It's not going to matter that much. Where I do think, whether it's fair or not fair, that if Tennessee loses, even though it's on the road to the defending champs, there will be people that will be like, well, I don't know. I mean, it worked against Alabama. It didn't work against Georgia, though. And I, I don't know if that's fair, but I just think that's the way it'll go. Where if Tennessee wins, people will be like, well, yeah, Tennessee's great. They beat both Georgia and, and Alabama. But, you know, eh, you know, weird game for Georgia. They'll still be fine. And I, I just I just think that Georgia – and maybe I'm wrong. It just seems like Alabama always kind of gets that benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And since Georgia's the defending champs and has played in two college football playoff national titles – I think that they will get that benefit of the doubt also if they lose, as long as they don't get blown out or you know blown out of the stadium. Right. Well, so here's the thing: like, what if I think we've talked about this in the past, but now it's becoming more real. Uh, what if Tennessee loses to Georgia and then Georgia loses to Alabama 
in the SEC championship game. Are we getting three teams from the SEC in the college football playoff? Like, who would you leave out in that? In that, I'm sure you don't like hearing this. It would just it would depend on what the other conferences and teams do. I mean, if everybody else has at least one loss, then that would definitely help the SEC teams getting in. Also, like, what if? It, but if Clemson's undefeated and TCU's undefeated, mm-hmm. and either Ohio State or Michigan's undefeated, mm-hmm. then at most there's only going to be two of those SEC teams, and then probably only one. And I would, I would think. Well, I I don't know. I don't know who you would. Choose out. That would be so. That would be so difficult. I, in in your, I just to, I want to reclarify yeah, what you yep. said. So you've got Alabama winning the rest of the way, obviously, to stay at one loss. Yes. Which? Who did you have? Was there? Who did you have winning this weekend? And who if, if, losing to Alabama in the title? I would have Georgia beating Tennessee this weekend, and then losing to Alabama in the title. I think that if. There were going to be. I think Tennessee would be the odd team out then by not winning the division. I, I could be wrong on that, but I would. I would think that would hurt more than Georgia having beat Tennessee and won the division, and then losing to Alabama, who, who would then ultimately be the SEC champs too. But again, it kind of, a lot of it depends on you know what's the score, how bad did they lose, you know what's what's going on yep. in Fort Worth, and what's going on in in Ann Arbor and stuff like that, too. The, the best thing would be ultimately for Tennessee to just win so then we don't kind of have to worry about this. Because if Tennessee wins this game they're in the, and they lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game, Tennessee is still in. A la last year with Georgia losing to Alabama in the SEC championship game, they still got in. Um, I would agree with that, yeah. But it does take some of the drama out even though we're kind of whittling down some of these teams that we think are legit college football playoff contenders, we could still see a ton of drama if, as you laid out, we have an undefeated Clemson, an undefeated TCU, an undefeated Ohio State, and three one-loss SEC teams. Like, that would just be pandemonium almost. Like, because you could make an argument, a, a legit argument for each one of those six teams to make the, the college football playoff. We could, and I think there's a good chance there'll only be one SEC team, and that could be what leads to the next Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> if the the way that ESPN, and, it, and I, not that ESPN's the worst at this, there's other places that are worse, but ESPN and the way they hype up the SEC teams, especially on the SEC network, and the way it's so insulated in the Southeast that they only talk about how great the SEC is, that they will have convinced themselves that all three would get in. And if only one did, they would lose their goddamn minds. Oh, yes. Yes, (laughs) without a doubt. And they might still lose their minds because after this this game, it's at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central Time on CBS – if you're looking down the rest of the college football slate, there are, there are really no other good games apart from that game. And then at 6 o'clock on ESPN, you get number 6 Alabama against number 15 LSU. Now, I still don't believe in Brian Kelly and LSU this year. I just don't. Um, kudos to them for winning You know some of the games that they, that they have. You know, they've, they've certainly improved throughout the year. 
I don't see them beating Alabama. I, I just don't. Uh, but that is a very... Based on I don't the think rankings, they're going to either, but you want me to make the case for you right now, Stack? Well, I was just going to say, based on the rankings, it looks attractive. I don't see it being an attractive game. I think Alabama destroys them. I, you very well could be right, but here's here's my case for LSU. That, again, I'm going to preface with, I don't think I necessarily buy this. But. So we saw Alabama go on the road to Texas. Texas not known for being a great home field environment. Right. Like, not that it's terrible, but not one of the five or ten toughest places to play. And almost lost, should have probably lost to a backup quarterback, unlike a good but not great Texas team this year. Sure, yeah. And then they go on the road, have more penalties than they've ever had before. I don't know if it was more than ever before. But, you know, a bunch of penalties in Texas, a whole bunch more penalties in Tennessee. They get carved up by Tennessee. Yep. They lose to the Volunteers. Now, Tennessee, when Tennessee's rocking, is a pretty tough place to play. But LSU at night generally is thought of to be, like, if not the hardest, one of the hardest places to play at night. Yes. I agree that LSU is, this is not, you know, the the Joe Burrow LSU team, obviously. But they've looked better the last few weeks. I mean, I don't know if they're one of the 10 best teams in the country. I don't think they are. But they at least look more competent now. And you go with an Alabama team that's had weird problems on the road. I mean, I could see that, you know, I could see LSU doing some stuff, getting some points. You know, if if Alabama keeps getting penalties and shooting themselves in the foot Mm -hmm. and playing the please please bail us out, Bryce. You've got to fix it all again. He can do that a lot, but there are times that it's not going to work in a given, you know, series or drive. And, and yeah. again, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but I do think it's very possible we see it where we're like, oh, hey, there's 10 minutes left in the third quarter and LSU is only down 27-24 right now. Like, this is still a game. Yeah. And I, and I guess LSU... In the end, I think Alabama's going to win by at least 14. Oh, I, I think we probably agree on that. And I, I, I do have to give LSU credit for the way they completely shellacked Ole Miss a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, when they were down, what, 17-3 and outscored them 42-3 to the rest of the game. I mean, that's that's absurd to do that to a Lane Kiffin Ole Miss squad. Like, that. Ole Miss was ready to to be a factor in the SEC West, and LSU just said, yeah, no, we're not having any of this. So that is a that's a – it's a very dicey proposition. I, Alabama right now is favored by 13. I think I would pick them, but I, I just don't trust Brian Kelly and LSU this year. I think he just needs more time – but, again, you, you look at that result against Ole Miss and you're like, okay, maybe there is something going on down there in LSU. I guess I have the bad loss to Florida State, the way that game went, and then them just getting shellacked by Tennessee at home and not even competing. Now, granted, that loss to Tennessee looks better based on how good Tennessee appears to be this year. But I, I don't know. I just I have trouble trusting LSU. You're still holding the first game against Brian Kelly and his LSU family. Yes, yes. Okay. That's I just wanted to say family. <laughs> that was the whole point of that. Uh, other big game: Clemson, number five, undefeated at Notre Dame, seven thirty p.m. Eastern, six thirty p.m. Central Time on NBC. Notre Dame looked very good last week against Syracuse, but this is also a team that has lost to Marshall and Stanford this year. 
what chance do you give Notre Dame of upsetting Clemson? I don't think it's a great chance, but I, it is worth noting they played two years ago in uh, in South Bend, Indiana, and Notre Dame did upset Clemson. And that was like now, if I remember right, Uyagalale's first start. I yeah, I was going to say it was Trevor Lawrence was out. And yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? I don't even want to. I know I'm going to butcher his name if I pronounce it. DJ Uyagalale. That guy, yeah. Yes. He didn't play bad, if I remember right, no. against Notre Dame no. either. It was just that Notre Dame ended up winning. I don't think Notre Dame's going to be able to capture that same magic. This is not a, you know, 11-win team like that Notre Dame team was, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at night, South Bend, it's another thing. Weird stuff happens there. I don't think Clemson's going to just blow them out. I think that they're going to have to work for it. You know, they could win by... 10 or 14, but, you know, they're not just going to cruise past them. Well, and it is worth noting that, you know, Clemson struggled with Syracuse. Was that two? Yeah, two weeks ago. Uh, they benched DJ in the third quarter after his, what, third turnover or something like that. Uh, this Cade Klubnik or whatever his name is, he came into the game at that point, helped lead Clemson back. So, I mean, one would presume that, that DJ is going to play in this one, be the starter, but... There might be a quick um, uh, hook if he struggles. And right now, Clemson is only a four-and-a-half-point favorite at Notre Dame. But this Notre Dame team, like I said, just inconsistency. I, I, I'm going to go with Clemson, but this is one of those games where if you tell if, – if I go to bed Saturday night not knowing what happened, I wake up Sunday morning and I see Notre Dame won – I'm not to be like, wow, I am shocked by this. I'll be like, okay, that that seems totally plausible. Yeah, I feel you there. Do you have an example of that? Of, I mean, I, I, it's happened to me before, too. I don't have one off the top of my head, though. But where you go to bed and you're like, well, looks like this team's going to win. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, my God, this happened? Uh, it's happened to me a few times. Um I know it's happened to me also. I just unfortunately I can't, can't think of it's up an example off the top of my head. Yeah, I can't I can't it's think of like the examples I can think of were when I was in college and I would be at my parents' house for Christmas or, you know, a weekend and I would watch games and my father would go to bed. And then the next day I'd be like, Oh hey Dad, you remember that fiesta bowl between Oklahoma and Boise State last night? Yeah. Guess what? Oklahoma came back. It took the lead. He's like, Oh, so Oklahoma won. I was like, No, actually get this. Went to overtime and Boise State won in overtime. Yeah, the old switcheroo. <laughs> yeah. Um I feel like it's happened more like on with like baseball scores, like, like in the playoffs and whatnot. Like, oh, I went to bed thinking that this game was done and oh look look, it completely went the other way. Um, but I don't. I guess I don't have an example off the top of my head. Is there anything else week ten though that we haven't talked about that uh, that uh, tickles your fancy? I mean, I haven't looked at the schedule, but if I remember right, this is the SDSU at UNI game week, right? It is. Yes. So that one could be tough. I don't. I don't. I don't like it when I when SDSU has to go to UNI, especially That's always... when uh, their linebacking core is so thin because of some tar- bullshit targeting penalty against Indiana State last week. Yeah, that doesn't help either. I think they still beat Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa is not as good this year as in previous years. But yeah, don't don't trip up here. You got to win this game. You got to beat Illinois State, and then you have two weeks off. 
before the following week. Like, you'd have three weeks in between games just to get healthy. Let's do that. Yeah, um, agreed. Please, please do that. But now it is time for what everyone in America has been waiting for. Uh, Cheyenne in Wyoming. Uh, she's like, please, I, I, I'm so looking forward to the return of Bullbound or not. I want to talk. I want you to talk about my pokes. Okay, well, Cheyenne, we'll, we'll probably get to you, to them at some point. Uh, we have Norman in Oklahoma. He wants to know if if Oklahoma, if we're going to talk about Oklahoma, will they be Bullbound or not? Lawrence in Kansas, talking Jayhawks? Like, is this for real? Even Lincoln in Nebraska is like, oh, my gosh, are it, do, does Nebraska have a chance this year? There are so many folks from around the country that have reached out to us, and we thank you uh, so much for that. Eugene in Oregon sent a kind note. Uh, the excitement is palpable. With Don't forget about Sydney in Australia. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, we can't forget our international friends either. We have Regina in Saskatchewan. Like every, Everywhere. It's it's it, everyone is just so excited for the return of Bullbound or not. Are you excited as everyone else seems to be? Uh, slightly less excited, only like a nine and a half out of ten. The rest of them are a ten out of ten. Okay. I know. Very good. So nine and a half, I feel pretty good. So we have by my uh, by my count four weeks remaining here in the regular season. So we're gonna do this for four straight weeks. We're gonna play Bullbound or not for four straight weeks. And I'm going to set a rule here, if you're okay with it. I'm going to say we are going to steer away from the teams with five wins for the first two weeks because they have multiple opportunities to get to that sixth win. Does that sound fair? That works for me. I like that. Okay. So we won't look at that. Now, do you want to... So all these teams will have between two and four wins, then. Yeah, the three are... We'll look at mainly like the three to four win teams and stuff like I can't talk about Virginia Tech right now you gotta you gotta beat Georgia Tech this week to even get to bowl like to three and six you lose this game you're done <laughs> they've got they've got to get bowl bound or not eligible first before yeah. they have a chance yeah. to be on bowl bound to get bowl exactly yes I like that um so we can uh do it a couple different ways so I'm gonna let you you decide here do you want to go based on a conference, or do you want to pick a letter, and I will find the teams under that letter, and we'll go through them all and see if they're bullbound or not? I think I like the the letter idea. I'm okay. trying to remember back when I played uh, NCAA football games more often, which letters had the most teams. So... Because we, we don't have to worry about X, Y, or Z. Xavier doesn't have a football school. Yale, they're FCS. They're not FBS. They're not going to not do this. Quinnipiac, not in the not in the running yet uh, for an FBS program here. So we already got rid of like four letters right there, then and there. Let's start with the letter F. The letter F. Okay, well, that's great. So we're going to just go through all, all of these ones here. Let's start with Florida State. Oh, nope, Florida State 5-3, and three, so we're going to hold off on them. Uh, let's see, we scroll down the list here, and let's go with Florida Atlantic. The Florida Atlantic Owls out of Conference USA. They are 4-5. and five. So this is a great, great pick by you here. We'll go Florida Atlantic. Three games remaining at Florida International on November 12th, at 4-4 Middle Tennessee State, November 19th, 
and home against 5-4 Western Kentucky November 26th. Charlie, are the Florida Atlantic Owls bullbound or not? I am going, as I'm really quickly crunching the numbers here, I'm going to say no. They are going to, not only are they not bullbound, they're not even going to get to five. They're going, losing the last three, four, and eight. Whoa. Oh. Rough finish for Florida Atlantic. Oh, that is rough. Uh, so that means that Florida International, FIU, who, by the way, they they looked like they were down in the dumps at the start of this year. I mean, they lost 73 to nothing to Western Kentucky at one point. They barely beat Bryant the first week of the season. Had to come back from that. Somehow, this team is 4-4 four and four on the year. They are at North Texas this week. They are home to FAU uh, on November 12th, which you've already given them a win for that. So that technically kind of gets them up to five. Then their last two games of the year at UTEP and then home to Middle Tennessee State. Charlie, is FIU bullbound or not? They're going to need the last game of the season, but they're beating Middle Tennessee State bullbound. All right. Book it. That, what, a, what an amazing accomplishment that would be for FIU with how it looked at, at the beginning of this season because it looked rough. It, just it was pretty looked, grim looking for a bit there. Yeah, it sure was. Sure was. How about Fresno State? Four and four. Uh, they are. Uh, they host Hawaii this week. Uh, let's get back here. Uh, host Hawaii this week. Then they are at four and four UNLV. They are at two and seven Nevada on November nineteenth. They finish it up home against six and three Wyoming. Charlie, is Fresno State bull bound or not? Opposite of Florida Atlantic, Fresno State's going on a hot streak. They're winning the rest of their regular season games, eight and four finish. There we go. They're, which would also mean I think they're going to the Mountain West title game too. Then it would. It um. Let's see. Did they beat San Jose State? That's the that's the key that we have to look at here. I want to say yes, they did. Yes, they beat they beat San Jose State. So yes, they would have the tiebreaker there. Yes, Fresno State would be making its way. And then we get the classic Boise State-Fresno State Mountain West title game. I don't know how many times they've actually played, but it seems like those are the two big Mountain West teams. Either that or like Boise State-San Diego State. It's one of those. Yeah, one of those two. Yep, I agree. And then finally, the final team in the F category here, Florida, 4-4. and They uh, just got off a loss to Georgia. And in Florida, uh, at, in Jacksonville, there at the world's greatest, largest outdoor cocktail party, which they can't name it that anymore. They are at Texas A&M this week. They host South Carolina November twelfth at Vanderbilt November nineteenth at Florida State November twenty fifth. Charlie is Florida bullbound or not? They're not going to beat Florida State. But they are going to win at least two of the other three. So Florida, Florida's getting in at six and six. It's not going to be pretty. Right. There's going to be lots of questions circling about Millie, Billy Napier, but he's going to at least do enough to get to a bowl game to keep everyone from completely flipping out. Very good. So out of the what do we have? Like six schools there that start with F. Five of them are right in the mix for bowl eligibility here. Again, we 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 aren't talking about Florida State because they're at five wins right now. So. 
Uh, very good job picking that letter. How, give me another letter here. Have you ever seen the uh, 1989 Batman movie with Michael Keaton? Uh, probably not. Well, there's a point in it where he is not Batman. He's just regular Bruce Wayne. And he runs into the Joker, and the Joker is trying to do bad stuff. And Michael Keaton, as Bruce Wayne, uh, grabs like a fire poker and hits something and says, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. It's a long way to say that. We're going with the letter T stacking. The letter T. All right. Very good. So let, let's let's look at these T schools. In the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, Tulane, 7-1. They're already bowl eligible. Good job, Green Wave. Tulsa, 3-5. So... Uh, we also have Temple in here. They're two and six. We're not even going to talk about Temple right now, but we will talk about Tulsa. Tulsa three and five, so they need to go three and one in their final four games here. They host that Tulane Green Wave squad this week. Uh, they are at Memphis November tenth. They are home against one and seven South Florida the week after, and then at five and three Houston to end the season. So Charlie, is Tulsa bull bound or not? They're going to lose to Tulane. They're going to win the other two to set up the one with Houston needing to get in, but they're not going to be able to beat Houston. It's going to be five and seven. Oh, and that's poor, poor Tulsa not getting in. I believe they went to turn that hurricane into a tropical depression pretty quickly. It sure is. Yes. (laughs) Very good. Very well. Very well done there. Uh, Okay. There's no. There's no team in the AAC, or in the ACC, so we don't have to go, go through that. In the Big 12, TCU, they're eight. No, they're already bowl eligible. Texas has five wins. Don't need to worry about them. Texas Tech though has four wins. They are four and four, doing a lot better than I expected them to be at the start of this year. Texas Tech is at TCU this week. They host Kansas the following week at Iowa State, and then they host Oklahoma to end the season. Charlie, is Texas Tech bullbound or not? They're not going to beat TCU, but then they're going to win the next three games, stacking. Seven shit. and five Red Raiders. It's going to be guns up for Red Raiders. They're going bowling. And that's just not just going bowling. At seven wins, you're actually getting to like a little bit of a better one, too. Wow. Wow, that's, that's impressive. I... I, I got to tell you, I was not expecting much from Tulsa, uh, from Texas Tech this year, and they have uh, they've exceeded my expectations. And according to you, seven and five and going bowling uh, in a decent bowl game. Uh, Big Ten, no teams there. Conference USA, no teams there. Independence, no teams there. Uh, t- uh, in the MAC, Toledo, six and three. They're already bowl eligible. Good for them. Um, Tennessee in the SEC, they're good. Uh, okay, Texas A&M. I can't believe we're talking about them. Uh, questioning if they're going to be bowl eligible or not. But the Aggies are three and five. I I didn't think Texas A&M would be as good as some people said they would be going into the season. Yeah, we won't name. But I didn't think we. I didn't think they'd be on bowl bound or not early or on the last day of October. Yeah. Yes. No kidding. No kidding. Well, A&M is three and five. They have to go minimum three and one here. Their final four games. They host Florida this week. They are at Auburn, November twelfth. They host UMass. And then they host LSU. Charlie, is AM bull bound or not? They're going to lose to Florida, which is going to put them at three and six. 
We're going to win the next two to get to five and six. So they're not going to be able to beat LSU at the end of the year. No bowl game for Jimbo. He's going to keep, but they're not going to fire him because he's still got so much money. They're going to they're going to deal with him for at least one more year. And they got so many good recruits coming in. I mean, that's it. It, it would just give me great joy to see A and M not make the playoff or not even get to a bowl game this year. Hey, you that's know what? what second, I don't think you have to worry about him making. Yeah, the I know. Yeah, I know. I meant I meant a bowl game, uh, but. Yeah, I yeah for sure not the playoff, but it would just I, I, I mean maybe in men's basketball, but not football. Hey, hey, Buzz Williams doing good things down there. I think A and M's going to be a tournament team this year. Um, yeah, not good. And then in the Sun Belt, the Troy Trojans are already have six wins. That leads us to Texas State, Marcos, Texas, San Marcos, Texas. The Bobcats are three and five. <coughs> So they need to go three and one over their final four games. They are at two and six University of Louisiana Monroe this week. They are at six and two South Alabama the week after. They host two and seven Arkansas State November nineteenth, and then they host four and four Louisiana on November twenty sixth. Charlie is Texas State bull bound or not? They need three wins over their final four. They're yep. only going to get one. Not even going to get that close. All right, it's going to be a uh, going to be a four and eight year for them. Ooh, ouch! That's not good, not good at all. By the way, uh, we already have like twenty some te- like twenty two teams that have uh, cinched a bowl uh, berth at this point. So uh, just keeping that in mind. How about another letter? We, got, we can do another couple letters, I think, here if you want. You know what? Let's do. Let, uh, there's a specific team in mind. I'm not going to tell you which one, but you may figure out when you get there. Let's do the letter O. Oh, I think I know exactly where you're going here. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be Oklahoma if I had to venture a guess. That was that was the one that I had in mind that I thought could be fun. Very good. Well, okay, so in the AAC, there's no team there. In the ACC, no team there. Let's go to that Big 12. Oklahoma State, 6-2, and two, despite that big loss to Kansas State, which means they maybe should have they should lose one or two of their wins. Just with how embarrassing it was, we're not going to do that. Actually. Also, when I said this, I didn't think that Oklahoma was 5-3. I was thinking they were 4-4. Four four. They are 5-3. Uh, so, But you know what? We'll make an exception to this rule here. We'll, we'll include Oklahoma in... In this here, so let's. I mean, they're called the Sooners for a reason, stacking. We got to do them earlier than they're supposed to be able to. Yep. That's what their whole name's based off of. Well, let's exactly. Uh, they host Baylor this week. They are at West Virginia November twelfth. They host Oklahoma State November nineteenth, and then they're at Texas Tech November twenty sixth. I had Texas Tech beating them, so I got to stick with that. I don't think they're going to win at West Virginia because West Virginia is tough. Oklahoma State was one. Who's the other team that they play? Uh, Baylor this week. Man, that's not an easy game either. No, it's not. I'm going to say that they've won the last two weeks, I think against Kansas and Iowa State, if I remember right. Mm Mm-hmm. I think they lose all four of the rest of the game, the game stacking. I think it's, oh, no, the sky's falling. Hey, we turned it around. Things are good. Actually, those were the two worst teams in the conference, maybe, other than us. And then they're just going to end with a thump or with a, with a whimper. 
That would be so funny. I would love. I would. I would love to see A and M and Oklahoma both not make it to a bowl game this year. That would be. I mean, if I would describe Oklahoma's defense, I would say it's venerables. I mean, bowl. <laughs> yes, I. I got where you're going with that. I like that. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Big Ten, Ohio State. They're they're safely in. Uh, Conference USA, no teams. Uh, nope. How about the MAC? Oh, Ohio, five and three. So. We won't touch them right now. Uh, we got the Oregon Ducks, Oregon State, both bowl eligible out of the Pac-12. Ole Miss. I did not know that Oregon. I, I assumed that Oklahoma was four and four, and didn't think Oregon State had yet six wins already. Yeah, six wins for the Beavers. They are playing good football this year. <laughs> I thought O was a good one, but it turns out that there actually aren't any ones that, that fit your original. You know what? That's okay because that's that's the whole part. Hey, we do have one. We do have one in the Sun Belt. We have Old Dominion. They All are, right, I scrolled too fast on that one. They are three and five. They beat the Virginia Tech Hokies week one. It's been a struggle since. They host four and four Marshall this week. They host... Five and two James Madison the week after. They are at five and three Appalachian State November nineteenth, and they are at South Alabama November twenty-sixth. Charlie, is Old Dominion bull bound or not? I would love to really get uh over the top and go out on a limb and say they beat all those teams. All of them have so, such a better record though. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna win any of those games. I think the only game Unfortunately can, for them. I think the only game they can win is Marshall. I do. I think. I think they lose the other three for sure. In Old Dominion, yeah, they're definitely not getting three wins out no, of that. No, in Old Dominion, unless magically they've got a red shirt to pull off a Michael Vick or something like right. that. And if you have a Michael Vick that went to old, that is going to Old Dominion, we have some serious issues in the recruiting. Yeah, and he's not been playing. Then yeah, that's, there's your first problem. Yes, uh, I, I. I mean, Old Dominion went to a bowl game last year. I believe they played in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Not happening this year. Old Dominion. Out, not in in uh, conversation. Do you want to do another letter or two? Let's see what other letter would be a fun one. Let's go with let's go with A. A. All right, very good. So I think it's another let's get nuts letter. Uh, in the AAC, no teams there. In the ACC, no teams there. How about the Big Twelve? Nope. Uh, Big Ten, do we got anyone? Nope. Uh, Conference USA? Nope. Um, how about this? In, in, in the Independence, we have the Army Black Knights. Three and four. Pulling up Army schedule here right now. They, they host Air Force this week. They are at Troy, six and two Troy, November 12th. They host four and five UConn November nineteenth. They are at one and seven UMass November twenty sixth, and then the Navy Army game, Army Navy game, however you want to look at it, December tenth. Navy's three and five at this point. Charlie is Army bull bound or not? It's going to come down to the game against Navy, but I think Army beats Navy, and that's what gets them in. That's what gets them to six wins. Where are they getting the other two? I mean, I assume UMass uh, for sure. Where's the other win? Um, I forget which one you said. That Air Force. You we have Air Force this week. 
Otherwise, it's at Troyer, home against UConn. Oh, UConn. UConn was the other one. Even though UConn's better, I still don't trust UConn. And I'm probably always going to pick against them. Good on good on Jim Moore Jr., though, for the way he's turned that program around in an instant. Like, we, we talk about, you know, some coaches doing good stuff in year one or year two. Jim Moore Jr., right up there. Uh, in the MAC, Akron one and eight, so we don't even have to worry about them. Uh, get get lost, zips. How about uh, in Mountain West, Air Force five and three? So we we won't touch that one at all. All right, we have two teams though in the Pac-12. We can certainly do Arizona State three and five on the year. Uh, some uh, rather surprising they're even at this stage. They did beat Colorado last week. Uh, they beat Washington earlier this season. They host UCLA this week. They are at Washington State, 4-4 four and four Washington State, November 12th. They host 6-2 and two Oregon State, November 19th. And then they're at 3-5 and five Arizona, November 25th. Charlie, is Arizona State bullbound or not? They're not. They, they can get two. They're not going to get three, though. I agree. I, I agree. I don't think Arizona State sniffs uh, sniffs that at all. How about Arizona? Three and five as well. That last game against Arizona State already mentioned. The rest of their schedule, they are at Utah this week, at UCLA November 12th, host Washington State, and then host Arizona State. Charlie, is Arizona bull bound or not? I mean, other than Arizona State, that's kind of a nasty closing run for a not-that-great Arizona team. So uh, I'm going to say no, but they do not. They're not going to be able to beat UCLA or Utah. All right. Very good. And then the SEC, we have Alabama already bowl eligible, Arkansas with five wins. We'll we'll bypass that. That leads us to the Auburn Tigers, three and five. Uh, Already know my thoughts on Auburn, but... Uh, they are at Mississippi State, five and three Mississippi State this week. They are they host three and five A and M November twelfth in what could be a bull bound or not uh, elimination game. So we look forward to that. They host five and four Western Kentucky November nineteenth, and then the Iron Bowl at Alabama November twenty sixth. Charlie is Auburn bull bound or not? I think they win two of those, so they go into the Alabama game with a chance to get bowl eligible. I can't pull it off. Unsurprisingly, they lose to Alabama. Very good. App State in the Sun Belt, five wins. We'll, we'll hold off on them. And Arkansas State, two wins. So we won't even bother uh, discussing them. Do you want to do one more letter or not? Um, you know what? Let's do an N for Nathan Stackett. All right. Well, we have plenty of N's here. Let's go to the AAC, and we will start with the Navy Midshipmen. Three and five, uh, as mentioned, the Army-Navy game, December 10th. So that's a, that could determine bowl eligibility here for one of these squads. They are at Cincinnati this week, six and two Cincinnati. A neutral site game, I believe, with five and three Notre Dame, November 12th. They are at number 25 UCF, November 19th. And then against Army, December 10th. Charlie, is Navy bowl bound or not? I am glad that the real or that the United States Navy that patrols the oceans is uh is good. 
Um, Navy is not as good this year, and they are not going to win any of those four games, and they're going to finish three and nine. Unfortunately, I, I agree. I'm surprised they even have three wins at this point. To be honest with you, I really do. And uh, in, in the ACC, we have North Carolina State with six wins, but they don't have a quarterback, so that's not good. North Carolina seven wins; they're already bowl eligible. Big tw- uh, Big Twelve, no teams there. Um, okay. In the Big Ten, we have your Nebraska Cornhuskers. This and Lincoln. This is exactly what Lincoln asked for. He wanted us to talk about the Nebraska Cornhuskers. So here we go, Lincoln. He's waiting up with bated breath. Yes, we have. They host five and three Minnesota this week. They are at uh, number four Michigan, November twelfth. They host four and four. Wisconsin November nineteenth, and then they are at four and four in Iowa November twenty fifth. Charlie, are your corn huskers? Are Lincoln's corn huskers bull bound or not? Their quarterback Casey Thompson got injured against Illinois. Don't know how long he's going to be out. If they get him back and he's healthy, I think they could win one of those four games. I don't think they're winning three out of four. They're definitely not beating Michigan. I don't think they're going to beat Minnesota this weekend. I really hope not. I I think that there's a small chance they could beat either Wisconsin or Iowa, one of them. I definitely don't think they get to two, though. So I'm going to be, I think, slightly optimistic is four and eight. So, no, not bowl eligible. I I am sorry. I really hope Minnesota wins that game, though. Minnesota struggled uh, over the last month, losing three in a row. They, They shut out Rutgers, whatever that's worth. Um, last week. I mean, it's worth noting that if Ibrahim's healthy, and he's healthy now, or at least healthy-ish, right? Yes. If they can run the ball, Nebraska can't stop the run. I think Minnesota's going to run it 50 or 60 times. And I don't think they're going to get to, like, 50 points or anything. But I think they're going to win, like, probably a lot like the Illinois game. Minnesota's going to win, like, 24 to 10 or something like that. And, like, oh, hey, they just took the air out of the ball and ran for four point nine yards every carry. Yeah, that makes sense. I would be a okay with that as long as the Gophers get a win. Northwestern one and seven. They're not even close to bowl eligibility. They're done. In conference USA, North Texas five and four. We won't talk about them. And at, at the FBS level, we have the five and three Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Won't talk about them. Okay. Here's one I didn't expect. New Mexico State is three and five. They have, I believe, four games left. There, there's a postponed game with San Jose State because of the tragedy with the one San Jose State player who got hit by a bus or something like that, crossing you know, the crosswalk or whatever. I don't know if or when that game's going to be played. Uh, so they they are at um, or they host. Lamar, 1-7 Lamar, November 12th. They're at Missouri, November 19th. And they are at 7-1 Liberty, November 26th. Charlie, even with like with the uh, the San Jose State game... They have to win three. They're not getting the three wins. They're, all, they're getting one at the most. Okay. I, I As expected, it's just the mere fact we're talking about New Mexico State in this position at all... Um, Kudos to Jerry Kill for for doing wonders there in Las Cruces. Um, in the MAC, 
The Northern Illinois Huskies, 2-6. and six. Won't even talk about them. How about in the Mountain West, New Mexico, 2-6? and six. Nope, uh, get lost. Nevada, 2-7? and seven. Nope, we don't want to talk about you. Get lost. Uh, SEC, nothing there. Um, Sunbelt? No, so that's it. So those are your end teams. Um, we got through a decent amount of teams here for Bullbound or not, and we'll, we'll do uh, the other letters that we didn't get to this week next week. Uh, that uh, trips your trigger. Can I tell you the letters I want to do next week now? Yes, yes, by all means. In honor of South Dakota State, we're going to do Jacks, J-A-C-K-S. Okay. So I think that would be a repeat of A. Oh, okay. So I guess we just we wouldn't do the A schools we already did. We would do the A schools that well, if there about, were any that we that were at five that we skipped or were at two that got another win or something. Well, how about this? How about we do next week then? Um, we'll we'll do we'll do J, we will do C, we will do K, we will do S. We'll just do a license plate style, no vowels. Uh, yep, and let's sub in an M, and then let's do U. We did N this week, and then we will do I. So, because they're playing U and so, I this week. Northern so, Jicks instead of Jacks. Yes, Jicks. All right, works for me. Jixon. Jixon. Uh, Jixmun. Jixmuni? Minu? Min, min, uh, whatever. We got, a, we got a number of uh, letters next week, so we will do that. J C K S M. You and I. I'm that, down. That, that works. works. All right. Very good. Very good. Anything else, Charlie, uh, before we say so long uh, for this week? Not too much. Just that I uh, I am really looking forward to that Tennessee and Georgia game. I was, I mean, I was excited for that Tennessee and Alabama one, but also kind of didn't really think Tennessee could do it. I don't know if they're going to, but I'm really, like, excited for that one. Like, this is... This is the most excited I've been. I think the last time I was this excited for a Tennessee game was when the 1999 Nebraska team played Tennessee in the Fiesta Bowl that wow. year. So it's been a while since I've been this up for a while. No kidding. No kidding. Well, we hope for a good game. We'll have plenty to talk about next week with it. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll, we'll look ahead to week 11. We'll play some more bowl bound or not. But, Charlie, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy your the week of college football, and we'll talk next week. Yep, you too. See you later, bud. Sounds good. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand. Uh, also, the Hulk Hogan for Halloween. So there we go. Uh, kind enough to do some bull bound or not with us now. Um, so great stuff there. Um, bull bound or not makes its triumphant return, and we'll talk. Uh, we'll, we'll play it again next week. So keep keep coming in. We always appreciate the fan letters that come in um, from all over the globe. We had Sydney in Australia, Regina in Saskatchewan. Um, uh, with Lincoln in Nebraska, Eugene in Oregon, kindly just reaching out to us. So again, thank you, thank you, one and all, for that. Uh, we will wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast with a look back at Week Seven in or Week Eight. Are we already Week Eight in the NFL? Oh yeah, I guess we are. Week Eight in the NFL, and we will make some picks for Week Nine. That's coming up next here as we finish up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com. And on iTunes, uh, search Sports Block Podcast. Uh, follow, follow, follow Charlie on Twitter at C.E. Hildebrand. Definitely a good 
watch there. So that's coming up next here. We wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast with some NFL talk. We wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, as we always do every week during football season, with a look back at what happened in the previous week in the NFL, make some early picks and predictions for the following week. So let's go back to week eight. Began Thursday night again on Prime Video. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they just are in a rut. They lose 27-22 to the Baltimore Ravens. Bucks were actually up 10-3 at the half, and then the Ravens, came out in the second half just pounding the rock they ran for over 200 yards in the second half alone and this game was really never in doubt after that Ravens win 27-22 it proved a 5-3 the Bucks fall to 3-5 Sunday in London final London game of the series and the home team the Jaguars had a 17-14 lead their defense was playing pretty good however Trevor Lawrence had thrown a pick in the red zone earlier not great and then Russell Wilson Helps manufacture a game-winning touchdown drive for the Broncos. Broncos arguably a season-saving win, 21-17 over Jacksonville. Improved to 3-5. Jacksonville falls to 2-6. Sunday, then, we talked about it with the Vikings and the Cardinals earlier, Travis and I did. Uh, Vikings win 34-26. They had a 14-3 lead. Uh, Kirk was a little off on the final drive that could have maybe milked the clock in the second quarter there and Vikings maybe get up 17-3 at the half. Instead, the Cardinals drive down, score a touchdown. They actually had the lead 17-14. Then back and forth they went. Vikings defense forced three turnovers in the second half. Come up with a couple of big sacks. Darius Smith had three sacks in the game. Jared Allen was honored at halftime. Vikings ultimately prevailed 34-26. They improved to 6-1 on the year. Arguably the game of the day happened in Atlanta, where the Atlanta Falcons beat the Carolina Panthers 37-34. Wild fourth quarter here. I think it was like 34 combined points scored in the fourth quarter. Panthers were down by six. Got a Hail Mary from P.J. Walker to D.J. Moore. 62 yards. Moore takes his helmet off. The It's a penalty. The extra point gets moved back 15 yards. Eddie Pinheiro misses. We go to overtime. Pinheiro has a 33-yard field goal. He pushes it left. Falcons drive down, get a field goal, and win 37-34. We could have had a four-way tie for first place in the NFC South if the Panthers had been able to pull it out. Instead, Atlanta sits alone in the NFC South in first place at 4-4. They win 37-34. Tony Pollard played for the Dallas Cowboys instead of Ezekiel Elliott, uh, the running back for the Cowboys. He, He sat out. Pollard, big game. Three rushing touchdowns over 130 yards on the ground. Micah Parsons with a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Justin Fields did okay, but it was not enough as the the Bears lose to the Dallas Cowboys 49-29. Miami Dolphins spotted the Detroit Lions in early and quick 14 points and then just turned it on after that. Tua Tagovailoa played outstanding in this one. 382 yards through the year, three passing touchdowns. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell both over 100 yards receiving. Big games from them. The Dolphins come back to win 31-27 over the Lions. The New Orleans Saints were expecting to play the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. The Raiders never showed up. At least that's the only explanation I could possibly give. Saints shut out the Raiders 24-0. Alvin Kamara, all three touchdowns for the Saints. Two receiving, one rushing. Raiders didn't get past midfield until one minute left in the fourth quarter. Raiders terrible, terrible effort. Stop me if you've heard this one before, Jets fans. The New England Patriots beat your beloved Green and the New York Jets 
Patriots win 22-17. It's their 13th straight win over the New York Jets. Nick Folk, five field goals in this one. Mac Jones wasn't great through a pick six that was actually called back for a roughing the passer penalty that could have opened the game wide open for the Jets. Zach Wilson didn't play great for the Jets. Patriots ultimately win 22-17. In the Battle of Pennsylvania, it was the A.J. Brown show for the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts throws three touchdowns to A.J. Brown in the first half. He uh, hurts through four touchdowns in the game overall. Eagles roll the Steelers 35-13. No Ryan Tannehill for the Tennessee Titans. No problem. They just rely on King Henry. Derrick Henry had over 200 yards rushing, two rushing touchdowns against the Houston Texans. He loves playing the Texans. He just runs for over 200 yards and multiple touchdowns all the time against them. Titans win 17-10. This was supposed to be Carson Wentz. Returning to Indianapolis against Matt Ryan and the new look Colts. A Colts team battling for the division in the AFC South. Instead, we got Taylor Heineke against Sam Ellinger making his first start for the Indianapolis Colts. Colts were actually up 16-7. It was 16-10 late in the fourth quarter. Ellinger runs is shy by inches. It was in their own territory. They elect to punt it. Probably should have gone for it. You could have sneaked for a first down, ran the clock out. Instead, the Commanders get the ball back. Heineke extends some plays, drives the Commanders down the field, throws a nice pass to Terry McLaurin, who caught it at the one. Uh, Heineke snuck it in after that, and the Commanders win 17-16. Homecoming for Terry McLaurin. Uh, went to Carmel High School, or went to high school in Indianapolis. Went to Colts games growing up. What a win for him and Washington, who improves to 4-4 four and four on the year. They've now won three straight. 49ers beat the L.A. Rams 31-14, led by Christian McCaffrey, who had a rushing touch, uh, a passing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, and a rushing touchdown. The trifecta, first player to do that since LaDainian Tomlinson back in 2005. 49ers rolled the, the offensively challenged Rams 31-14. In Seattle, a pair of very surprising teams. The New York Giants and the Seattle Seahawks. Low-scoring game, very defensive. Giants just don't have a lot of wide receivers. Seahawks have Geno Smith, quarterbacking them, doing very good. Uh, DK Metcalf, Kenny Lockett. Uh, Lockett actually had a uh, fumble in this one and a drop pass, but he caught a, the go-ahead touchdown. And then uh, Kenneth Walker the third rookie running back from Michigan State, added the... Um, a touchdown late. Seahawks win 27-13. Bills were big favorites over Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The Pack, they uh, they didn't cover though. Congrats to the Packers for covering. Bills win 27-17. It felt like they were toying with Green Bay this entire game. Josh Allen threw two interceptions in the second half. Wasn't great. Wasn't his MVP-like self. But the Bills ultimately get the win and that's what matters. More wide receivers dropped in like flies for the Packers. Christian Watson went down. Alan Lazard already wasn't playing. It just It's rough right now for Green Bay. And then Monday Night Football, Cleveland Browns, Nick Chubb, 101 yards rushing, two rushing touchdowns. Jacoby Brissett, a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. The defense was all over Joe Burrow and the Bengals who are playing without Jamar Chase. They destroy Cincinnati in the Battle of Ohio Part 1 for this year, 32-13. to That leads us to week nine. It begins Thursday on Prime Video. The undefeated Eagles at the Houston Texans. Philly against Houston in the World Series. Philly against Houston this Thursday night. Most eyeballs will more than likely be on the World Series. It should be. The Eagles win this one easily. 
over the Texans. Minnesota Vikings at the Washington Commanders, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. Commanders are playing better here as of late. Winners of three in a row. I'm going with the Vikings. I'm not that confident in it anymore. If they were playing Carson Wentz, I'd be far more confident. Playing playing Taylor Heineke, not so much. But we'll go with him. LA Chargers at the Atlanta Falcons, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Chargers coming off of a bye, I believe. Justin Herbert, a little time to heal up. But their wide receivers are an issue. Um, Rely on Austin Eckler and Joshua Palmer, I guess. I'm going to go with the Chargers. I keep picking against Atlanta, and they, they except I picked them last week, I guess. They beat Carolina. Chargers, don't don't let me down here in your trip out, um, out east. That's all I can say. Miami Dolphins at the Chicago Bears, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Cool, Justin Fields has a new play toy with, Charles, uh, with uh, Chase Claypool, wide receiver from Pittsburgh that they got at the trade deadline. He's, no, he's not going to be able to keep up with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Dolphins cruise in this one over the Bears. Carolina Panthers at the Cincinnati Bengals, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Panthers have been playing a lot harder, a lot better um, under interim head coach Steve Wilkes. They should have won last week against Atlanta. I'm picking Cincinnati, but I'm hesitant to do it because I think the Panthers will be ready. Their defense is going to get after Burrow. I'll take the Bengals at home, though. Green Bay Packers at the Detroit Lions, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. Not sure what the Lions are going to look like now post-TJ Hawkinson. I mean, he wasn't the their primary focal point point on offense. You have Amonra St. Brown. You have DeAndre Swift. Jamal Williams. But if Aaron Rodgers is ready to, to take apart a Lions defense that is just atrocious, this is the game to do it. I'm going with the Pack. Lions, please get the win. Prove me wrong here. Come on, Detroit. We need you. Las Vegas Raiders at the Jacksonville Jaguars, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Who wants to win this game? Both teams make constant mistakes. Raiders hit rock bottom last week against the Saints. They rebound in a big way. I'm taking the Raiders over the Jaguars. Again, don't say that with a great degree of confidence. Indianapolis Colts at the New England Patriots, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Colts. Where are you going after last week? Sam Ellinger played okay, but against Bill Belichick and that Patriot defense, I just think the Patriots are too good. I'll take the the Patriots to win. Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Again, the NFL missed an opportunity by not putting this in the late afternoon window. Uh, We don't give a shit about Rams Bucks. Sorry, we just don't. They're they're not that good. Give me the Bills in this one to take down Zach Wilson and the Jets. Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Seattle, you're doing really good, but Arizona, you need this one. You need this one big time. The 12s will be there in the desert. Arizona, don't let me down. I keep picking against Seattle. It's not wise, but I'm going with Arizona again. Arizona to get the win. L.A. Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Who's going to stop Aaron Donald for the Bucs? I don't know, but I also know that the Rams' offense isn't that good. At least not as of late. I'll take the Bucks at home to get the win. Tennessee Titans at the Kansas City Chiefs, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Both teams are 5-2. Tennessee's quietly won five in a row. Did you know that? I don't think a lot of people did. Good defense, Derrick Henry, but the Chiefs at home, too much. 
Chiefs win over Tennessee. And then Baltimore Ravens at the New Orleans Saints, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time, ESPN Monday Night Football. I'm going with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Saints offense, just not, not trusting it. Give me the Ravens to beat the Saints. Browns, Giants, Steelers, Broncos, Cowboys, and 49ers all on the bye. Those are your Week 9 picks. Official picks and predictions can be found in the stack. Stackattack.sportsblog.com in our football Friday post. Long podcast this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Lots of good football talk. Lots of good good talk with Travis Crins as always. Talking World Series, NFL, the trade deadline, college football. Um, tons of stuff there. World Series, everything. Uh, Charlie Hildebrand talked college football. And Bull Bounder not made its triumphant return. It's celebrated by a lot of people across the United States, across the globe. So we're glad to bring Bull Bounder not back. He'll be back next week. Charlie will be back next week. Travis will be back next week. I will be back next week, as always. So uh, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Deer hunters in Minnesota, be safe out there. Bag some bucks. Get some jerky. Talking to you, Kelsey. Uh, So thank you very much for listening. Have a great week, everyone. And we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.